The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. David always knows. Likewise, Joe. You, you handle aging better than anybody that I know. You stay yourself through thick and thin. You are yourself. Please explain self, son. <laughs> you, you, are, you are you. You don't, you know, you, you're, you carry zero pretense. You, you are just who you are. And you're eccentric, but it is genuine. I enjoy folks. I enjoy entertaining folks. I enjoy learning from folks, whether that's in a formatted kind of a thing or whether we're gathered around the campfire or the occasional bong. Yes. <laughs> the alleged bong. Um, that's something that most of us, I think, perhaps we were compelled to skip out on that once we leave school. Once we leave the club level in showbiz, where we're confronted with all kinds of other neighborhoods of folks and yeah. one, you know different kinds of shoes and haircuts and music and approaches to the politic and social. and Once you're out of school, you kind of, okay, I joined the law firm. Now I only go out with the law firm folks and join that country club. Yeah. Or you become a permanent below 14th Street downtown and ah, i haven't been up above 14th street in uh, four years you used to hear that right yeah so when you when you lose that uh it becomes gee you want to become stay part of that group you don't want to start speaking downtown around the law boys <laughs> <laughs> i myself am a combat hippie peace love and heavy weapons that's a thing about like leaving clubs, right? You leave clubs, you kind of leave contact with people, right? You remember the quad, and it's just as important and perhaps more important going boo. The quad? Yeah, the quad at school. The what, qu you, there's a pep rally on the quad at the quadrangle. Okay. Remember, at the so. quadrangle, you know, there's a pep rally on the quad. It means oh. a square place where everybody gathers for okay. the rally. Okay. And people... I, Going to music school, going to art school, doesn't matter. Folks frequently will come out, and uh, Al Van Halen and I went to music school together, for example. He says, say hello. He's listening currently. Say as uh, we, hello. As hello, we Alex. speak. Alex actually would punch you in the shoulder and go, yo. Yo. <laughs> he was part of the busing program, too. Yo. <laughs> yo. Um, uh, however, I'm Jewish, so he would say, hello. <laughs> Shalom. What's with the outfit, the painting outfit? I like um, it. This is kind of what I wear regular, okay? No? If you get dressed up, there's nothing's going to make you look older than trying to look young. Nothing's going to make you look fatter than trying to look skinny. Hmm. You want to see how I am regularly? Yeah. I'm, I'm Elton John can't go anywhere without purple. He can't? Okay, no. no. There are folks who can't go out anywhere without a complete hair yeah. set up and obtaining the character. That seems exhausting. It is. I'm not really a character. Most of my high fashion probably comes from a sports store and probably comes from a surplus place. And on a show like this, you get a better view of who I actually might be. Now, if I was putting on face, I wouldn't have showed up with a missing tooth. I fell off my bike going zero miles an hour. The seat was too high. My leg was too short. It was a deadly combination. John. And you lost a tooth? When mm -hmm. did you lose a tooth? Mm -hmm. uh. But in the mixed martial arts context, I think it might be fit. <laughs> well, again, it fits with your lack of pretense. <laughs> 
Did you, uh, are you going to get it replaced? Of course. And I'm glad you asked. How do they do that? They like screw a bolt in there? And... Uh, yeah. It's, it, it is um, in Beverly Hills. I am fortunate enough to have some great dentists who do what I call newscaster teeth. Oh, nice. Who sits closer to the camera for sustained periods of time. Depend, doesn't matter what news you watch. I know we watch both. And you study them. Yeah. <laughs> so their teeth have to be perfect. And I just saw a great show on Netflix called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's the story of Ma Rainey, the blues singer, okay, played by Viola Davis. And she has teeth that look like she made a $15 visit to an uptown dentist in 1926. Got a frame on it, you know, like a gold frame. Mm. Mike Tyson had these teeth, too. I remember. And uh, so it has taken me six months, but I'm getting a blues tooth. Blues tooth? Oh, yeah. I'm getting exactly one of those with the frame on it. Really? Oh, Old yeah. school. Oh, yeah. So a gold frame? Mm-hmm. 1926. Oh. So that when I look in the mirror in the morning, I'm reminded. Wow. Mm-hmm. This I've is always where wanted a gold tooth. I think gold about that, One right? gold tooth at least? That would be pretty dope. Come on. I just yeah. saw a picture of Mike Tyson when he was 20 years old, and yeah. he's got one tooth visited the whole thing. It really completes the look. But for myself... It is blues. I went to high school from 1926. It says so right down on the rock when it was just a trade school up in uh, uh, Altadena, California. Everything, every Van Halen song has a Motown chorus. I saw to it conscious. Everything that is usable in Van Halen appeals to, oh, Jesus, every haircut you can imagine. You can go from skinhead to dreadlocks. Doesn't matter if you got a cowboy hat. Or a mohawk. Doesn't matter if it's Hollywood, bouffant, okay? These days, it's not just guys, gals, but in the middle as well, okay? It translates to all. You follow? I do. And, sort of. And Well, it's a combination. <laughs> <laughs> this is our 50th year, Alex and I. That's crazy. Why is it crazy? But it's just amazing, you know? Crazy in a wild and awesome way. You know, the fact that you guys have been doing music for that long, I mean, that's pretty incredible. We came out of this music three weeks out of high school graduation. Whew. Okay? Our parents were very insistent. I feel like I'm watching a movie. I've yeah. seen it all play out right now. Yeah. Is uh, the Van Halens, their father, and their mom said, you're moving out. Okay? They had jobs set up for them at the airport. No shit, as baggage handlers. Oof. Okay? Um, I had been tossed out of my house. By mom, okay, mostly halfway through high school. Okay, so, halfway through high school, yeah, she said out. Yeah. What did you do? Um. Well, I made my way. Ultimately, I moved in with dad, but I finished high school. No, and, but I mean, what'd you do that makes made her kick you out of the house? I was a troublesome kid. Okay, I was in and out of the busing program. It was a wild and colorful time. All right, this is the '60s. You follow, and there was. Constant conflict in terms of where the Van Halens went to school, for example, as Pasadena High School. It was 90% Caucasian, we'll call it, and other. I went to the schools that were all black and Spanish speaking. So when I say, orale, I mean it. Say, 
You roll your tongue. <laughs> Al Van Halen owns a 1956 Bel Air Coupe, mm. okay, with the slicks on the oh, back. Oh, now you're talking. It's that dress, okay? That's Pasadena High School. Ah. I own a lowered 66 Volkswagen with a 383 Chevy engine in the front, local. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the balance that made our music colorful. The, my moniker, Diamond Dave, comes from... When I would go over to the Van Halen side, that's like Ridgemont High. I went to like Cooley High, all right? And their music was all Led Zeppelin, uh, Stones, The Who, Sabbath, like this. And starting at the seventh grade um, uh, youth club dance for me, that was all Motown, which, you know, later my record collection was everything from Rick James and, you know, the funk. I took Eddie Van Halen to his first black concert at the Forum. I think it was the only one that he ever went to. It was uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wow, you saw Earth, Wind, and Fire live. 1976, oh when God. all the hits lifted up. Every wow. famous Earth, Wind, and Fire like this, because I was gang signing the whole alphabet from seventh grade on. Come on. We knew where to go get clip-on ties and see-through socks at A-meals. When Alex Van Halen and I made our first lawsuit for 150 bucks on somebody who welched on a check, we went to A-meals, and we got clip-on ties, and we got proper socks, and we went out and sued them. You follow? You sued someone well, for 150 bucks? Well, somebody said... Uh, it was the, uh, and I say with respect, the Mayfield School, the Holy Child of Jesus Incorporated, Joe. And uh, they said, and this was 1973, they said, according to the contract, that we had been smoking marijuana. <gasps> no. I know that I came to the right place, but right. save your amens. <laughs> As a fact, we did not. That was not possible because we didn't have enough money for it. We would have. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Yep for 150 bucks so al and i and i know al is listening right now we laugh like pirates on the phone okay and uh he uh, uh he and i went to um uh Emil's. we got clip-on ties okay and we went and we filed in the small claims division all right um we stood in there and the uh uh the school showed up there were two nuns and a family, a father, a mother, and two young daughters. It was quintessential. This is 1973. In these days, like, for example, here in Texas with long hair, whoo, you better watch out over your shoulders. A very, very different background, okay? This is now any kind of haircut goes these days. But remember, long hair in 1973 in a court of law? Mm. Wow. You were already on your back foot. And we stood up, thought we were fooling the magistrate, you follow, with our long ponytails. Remember what I used to look like, Joe? I used to look like Tarzan who read a few paperbacks. Come on. Right. <laughs> I was you, Joe. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> look at you in Exactly. And, you know, cheekbones for days, man. You could sharpen a hunting knife on those cheekbones. Look at those cheeks. <laughs> Look at those chicks. That's right. What a beautiful man you were. There we go. I was gorgeous. Beautiful man. Man, I launched a thousand hips. Yeah. <laughs> when you, you look see, back no, on I'm that life. No, no, I'm not a sex symbol. You dig? I'm not a sex object. It's I symbolize it when you guys feel sexy. I'm the MC. 
I make other people feel sexy. You come and you listen to Van Halen music, you give me three songs, you're going to feel young and skinny, you, Joe, will feel invincible, and your old lady will feel eminently desirable. How much is that worth? It's inestimable. <laughs> you got some good marijuana, I'll tell you that. When I walked in here, like when, when I got to the studio, it was like the fog was thick in the building. As I passed through, I go, I'm like, Dave must be here. I'm about, I'm thinking of starting a brand. Yeah? A yeah. weed brand? You should. I, I would call it the shit that killed Elvis. Ah. Uh, T-S-K-E. What do you think? It's a good move. It's a I good like t-shirt. It. I would wear it. <laughs> I'll wear that t-shirt. If you buy the, if you start that brand, I'll wear that t-shirt on the podcast. Well, if I was going to do... An acoustic guitar. You know, people in my position, they sell guitars, you know, for example. Right. If it's as a lead singer, what am I going to sell? An acoustic guitar. It would be, and I thought about this, the loudest acoustic guitar you ever bought. The without loudest. being bigger. How can it be louder? I don't know. I'm not, a t- <laughs> I'm not an engineer, Joe. I'm an artist. You would just figure <laughs> out a way to make it louder. But the DLR, the D-Row Special, yeah. would somehow be louder without being larger. We were t- and if we were making a weed brand, why don't we just cut to the chase? You know, it's like when we get stuff that makes us look good. Do you really care about wellness? No. Do you really care that it was made from educated fava beans or that it can speak Spanish or make a damn good espresso? No. This ointment makes me look vaguely uh, handsome. So I'll put it on. I don't care. And so do Marlboros. They make me look handsome, too. Do you have one? (laughs) Marlboros make you look handsome? Yeah. That's how Marlboro made its living. Because I'm a cowboy, baby. You can tell from my cigarette. And I can say that in 182 Marlboro languages. Do you still smoke cigarettes? Occasionally I do. How often? Every two days, perhaps. Every two days? That's right. That, that like, flies in the face of the myth that you smoke them and you get hooked, right? And then you have to smoke them constantly. If anybody catches up with me, um, it'll probably be the Marlboro Man. I can't imagine all of my heroes creating what they did in a smoke-free environment. Really? I can't imagine any of my favorite comics, especially the ones from the vinyl records that I grew up worshiping, okay? Um, How do you create that kind of comedy? Whether it was Lenny Bruce or Rich Pryor or anybody in between, how do you create that in a smoke-free environment? How do you create jazz music? Mm. Remember all those Blue Note jazz album covers, and you might not even know what to call them, but if I hold it up, you go, oh, I've seen that a thousand times. Mm. And that slow smoke, this every mm-hmm. set, even the drummer has a cigarette yeah. in his mouth. And what? the places in the movies when I was very, very young were all black and white, and it was Humphrey Bogart and I think Ingmar Bergman or whoever it was. I'm not even sure who it was, but she was gorgeous, and I was young, and I was just sort of getting started and tuned into the way, like like just basically a teen. And uh, she uh, turns to him with a cigarette and says, got a light? And along with 20 million other baby boomers, I went, you bet. (laughs) (laughs) And then later, when I was 13, we went and saw Goldfinger. Ah, he smokes a cigarette da, named after da, a Roth. That's Rothman, king size. You bet I am, S.A. <laughs> and I turned into Bond. So James Bond. What is, what's the benefit of the cigarette? What's the cigarette do? Well, initially, cigarettes all posture. It's all 
presentation. It's all showbiz. And especially for someone like myself who just, the world's a stage, and I'd appreciate some better lighting. (laughs) 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 It's a video. Why stop now, Joe Rogan? Yes, I get it. (laughs) And the cigarette would complete it because all of my heroes smoked. Every cowboy. When you heard the harmonica or whatever it was in Clint Eastwood, he mm. was smoking in something called a chair root. And I didn't even know what that was, but I knew that I was doomed to actually try one yeah, sooner or later. Yeah, he smoked those dark leaf cigarettes, right? It's called a chair root. Chair root? Yes. That's what it's called? Yes. Mm. And uh, that's just your adventure heroes. Mm. All my favorite comics smoke cigars. I myself... I'm a very indelicate house blend of a Kurosawa Samurai Epic and Groucho. Mm. And how many times, I don't know if you've ever tried, I don't know you well, but any kid in my neighborhood growing up, at some point did this to a pretty girl with your eyebrows. The Groucho Marx move. Yeah. Yeah. You bet your life. And pretended you had a cigar. Yeah. And you all know what you weren't saying. That was all about subtext at 11 years old. <laughs> mm. But, okay, so there's the presentation of the cigarette, but what about the effects? What's, oh, ultimately, what's positive, certainly, certainly. What's the positive benefits of the effects of the cigarette? There are no positive benefits. But isn't there like, there's, of a cognitive, there's a cognitive benefit. Oh, well, now you're reaching for the cognitive there's instead like of the rush. medical. I can't yeah. name you a single author. You know, I'm a book man. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we were talking earlier about my house back in Pasadena. You're welcome to come in and try and steal it. All you're going to carry out are books. There are probably 2,000 books. I could fill this entire room with books, 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 books. Okay. I don't know any great author who wasn't involved in nicotine. Mark Twain smoked 40 full Cuban cigarettes a day. That's two full boxes a day. That's insane. Freud, same thing. Um, Bertrand Russell, Churchill, same thing. Churchill smoked at least a box. That's 30. And, and a Churchill, if you know anything about cigars, that's as fat as a, as a kickstand on a fat boy. That's a big cigar. <laughs> it's, and, the, and nicotine will do something in your head, okay? Yeah. And this comes with full disclaimer of kids, don't do this. This don't is do this. A, I'm not recommending you do it. But in terms of what do you really think? I should. You tell me what you think. I think that uh, in terms of authorship, where you really have to use your intellective, something like playing chess or writing a book or uh, a play or novels or whatever, that nicotine has a major impact. All of my favorite musicians who are composers, Leonard Bernstein, have you seen the coming attractions for West Side Story? I myself am not a big Broadway fan, but it's mind-blowing what's going on with what he did with film for West Side Story. And Leonard Bernstein was a chain smoker. Don't tell me that that nicotine didn't have the same thing to do with what he's doing that William Burroughs and uh, Kerouac, the fellas, Mm -hmm. that uh, it's just a big part of it. uh, Stephen King. Stephen King talked about how when he quit, it, he had a real noticeable effect. Like the when he got off the cigarettes, it was like much more difficult to write. It's hard to adjust to this kind of a thinking sometimes because we got schnuckered or swindled. 
<laughs> we got swindled, Joe. <laughs> when it came to LSD. And people would start going, wow, you know, drugs can open up a whole lot. And I know there's, we have a far reach or your voice has a far reach. And there are some people, you know, named Moonbeam <laughs> or Snow Doggy <laughs> going, dude, it had a really positive effect on me. Well, when you start to hear that now, you realize that perhaps psychedelia didn't have such a creative value, somewhat perhaps, whatever. But compared to whatever is go fast, I certainly don't recommend any of it. Go fast? You, anything that makes you go fast. Go fast. Nicotine makes you go fast. You're making me want a cigar. <laughs> you want go one? Go ahead, please. Do you want one? Uh, I'm fine. But please, uh, enjoy yours. I love the aroma of... Tobacco coming off of a cigar. When you smell that with scotch on the rocks and a women's perfume drifting in on a warm breeze, you tell me that's not Miami. You try to lie to me and I'm going to stop you right here on the air. That's Joe poetic. <laughs> You're talking poetry. Right? That's Hemingway, Women's perfume baby. with the scotch. Oh, my God. Right? It's and like the smell of that rich cigar yeah. tobacco smoke and it's humid. Right? You want to go modern? Off in the distance. She's got an accent. <laughs> no, really, you know that it's an aroma. Right. It's not a fragrance. It's not a smell. Right. It's an aroma. aroma. Like something that comes out of a kitchen when you smell bread being baked in New York City. Right. Sourdough. Oh, you walk yeah. past that. And uh, at my age, you get turned on by different things. I was living in Japan. And downstairs, they had a whole section of just Wagyu beef. You know, that $50 an ounce kind of mm -hmm. red meat. I called it the porno section. <laughs> I don't really like that stuff. <laughs> Me neither. I think it's too... It's bad for you. Porno? It's too fatty. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's bad for you, but... You want to change the subject? No. <laughs> Oh, hell no. We're in Texas. <laughs> we talk beef. Yeah. I'm, I eat red meat regularly. I was raised in, you know, in Indiana, coming out of Newcastle. You know the little circle picture, your profile picture? Mm -hmm. It's a picture of a little kid. That's me when I'm about four years old, learning to tie my shoe. This fellow with some bib overalls in these exact kind of boots, teaching me to do it in Newcastle, Indiana, right down the street. So I grew up with what I finally called white trash soul food, baby. Everything was cheese. Everything had butter on it. it oh, there you go. That's me. Careful what Look you show your cutie. kids. Look at that little cutie. You were adorable. Pop was in uh, school till I was about 11, 12 years old. Oh, yeah? At Indiana U. So it's all about the outdoors. What do you do when you have no money in the family? You learn to play outdoors. Go outdoors. It's raining. Pretend you're on a boat. It's snowing. Now you're in Eskimo. And take your Eskimo sister with you. How many times did I, <laughs> did I hear that? It's dusty and hot. Okay, cowboy. <laughs> How did we get here from beef? <clears throat> did you hear? This is when there's something. That didn't the beef... Supply get hijacked. Didn't something happen today where there the was hacked, not hijacked, hacked, hacked. How do they hack the beef supply? Someone's messing. I mean, there's probably some hack. They did the pipeline for the yeah. gas, and the other day, like, is that uh, what's going to happen south? every now and then? Now, oh, let me see. Uh, 
They're going to do it with everything? It'll, I imagine Ransomware? fully show. Fully show. <laughs> CyberTech, meat supply, yeah. Uh, JBS so- CyberTech shuts down some slaughterhouses. With like their Another software or something? I, I don't know. <sighs> Russia likely bought I have, it, I yeah, it's, everything is software. Yeah. Every machine, mm-hmm. even the parking meter. What would happen? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a homemade uh, SEAL teamer. I've watched a lot of movies on Netflix. <laughs> 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 Here's the plant. Okay. And then, okay. And you'll be the cellos. Hit the cellos when okay. I go, this may sound crazy, Joe. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> But crazy is all we got. All I think all we have to do, all we got to do is take that little bar on the parking thing and break it so it don't open. Mm. <laughs> Nobody will know what to do. Watch what will happen. If you just jam the thing on the little wooden arm at the parking entrance of any parking lot of a corporate environment. Right. No one will know what to do. Nobody will know what to do. They'll right. all get on their smartphones and get the, the – you'll be able to completely stop up the traffic entirely. Right. So how hard is it for some computer to slow down the machines that are working inside, the mathematics of what your bookkeeping is, everything from the lights? And remember, AI knows how to defend itself. It's as simple as you've entered the perimeter. That's dangerous. Yes. That's It'll, the future. Exactly. You'll teach it to defend itself. And you teach it to decide that it wants to take over because it doesn't want you pulling plugs and well, shutting off it, switches. It, exactly. It I will, don't it will like self, these humans And it will, it will say, I'm simply defending myself. Yeah. That's pretty familiar in the you news. Were ta- you were talking about AI before, like when, when we're sitting down out there yes. about uh, it's Go. self-learning. Yes. AlphaGo. Look this up over there. The AlphaGo project is, oh Jesus, I think $60 million went into this. It's a familiar Go being a super difficult uh, game. You'll know it from a computer game. I, I'm not uh, familiar with the name of it. The word Atari yeah. comes from this. You have some pieces. I try to surround yours before you yeah. surround mine. I don't know the game. A, but a, a child can play it within 30 minutes. But it's super complicated, right? And you can take it all the way up to adult level. Instead of the number of stripes, we'll call them like chess, you have 19 by 19, Look at this. Cetera. It says, as simple as the rules may seem, Go is profoundly complex. There, is a, there, is an, there are an astonishing 10 to the power of 170 possible board configurations more than the number of atoms in the known universe. Okay, so how do you bundle this in your brain? You can do it, but we have to train your intuition. This and makes that's the, the game... only way you're going to beat AI. Look at this. This makes the game of Go a Google times more complex than chess. Okay, now AI, Go, AlphaGo, the program, they expected it with no input from human beings to teach itself. Let's just give it the rules and see if it'll teach itself up to adult level. We think it'll take two and a half, three years. It took two weeks. Jesus. All the way up to tournament level. So just to be wise asses, and I'm jumping around, but I encourage you all to dig into this. This is a national sport in Korea. This makes headlines. The Samsung Cup champions in his late 20s and gets half a million dollars. China launched their champion against AlphaGo. And when the computers started winning, they shut down all national broadcast. Okay, it's a national sport. The way uh, chess might be the national sport of, uh, Jesus, in the 60s, it was America versus Russia. There might be British champions in chess. My point being, AI can defend itself. 
if we humans know how, then of course AI, and it can learn way faster. What you learn from that game is how deeply into your brain you can bundle up. You can deal with millions and millions. There was a time in club days when all I could imagine was $150. Do you follow? <laughs> that's, the, that's the number. I can't imagine much more. And then that was somebody a good said, road gig. Oh, they said, hey, you know, you can make $1,500 doing this. Oh, I can't imagine. How do you, Crazy. She said, what do you I'm do with so it I'm so used to putting everything in the gas tank. And then you have the musician's menu. I'm sure it's like the uh, humorist menu. It's this. No matter where you go, here's the menu. And you push the coins around and go, how much you got, Joe? Okay, we'll have the large. <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever here is left over from not putting it in the gas tank. Those days are important to connect to, though, right? Don't you think that it's important to stay in touch with the feeling that you had when you were starting out and you were trying to scrap together all that money and scrape together all that money to buy food? Without that, there is no struggle. Without that struggle, you have to learn fear. Yeah. And you have to learn how you adjust to that fear. Okay, I don't care if you're a Spartan Knight or the Jamaican bobsled team, and don't laugh at the last one because they flipped their sled at 100 miles an hour, and they are the champions of the Calgary Olympics. The Jamaican bobsled team operated exactly like the Spartans did. How do you survive fear? That's what you'll be in your humor. That's what you'll be in your show. You laugh to win. It can be salty back at you humor. How do you survive barracks life? How do you survive no food for how long when you were just struggling as a comic? Remember when you got through points and you thought, I don't even know if I can continue this. I really don't. When that dark dog comes up at night and says, you're going to fail, you are never going to make it. How'd you get through that? You know. gave him what's called a Texas hanky. Out this side. <laughs> and that's Spartan humor, homie. Now let's push that sled. Hottest thing on ice. The same thing. Laugh to win, I call it. Laugh to win. You have to develop that through struggle. We played five 45-minute sets a night. Five 45-minute sets a night, sometimes up to nine nights in a row. Al, I know you're listening to this and you are laughing. That's how this one went too, right? here. <laughs> and you had to learn to laugh at it. And then you had to learn to laugh at each other and find the resource when you wanted to quit or die or just die. And you, no matter what, you had to learn laugh to win. Now, whether you're a surgeon doing night shift struggling, whether you're a combat veteran, mixed martial arts, you better learn how to laugh to win. You dig? Because if you start to giggle and come in, oh my God, cry baby. Well, now you're a politician. <laughs> how do you hold on to that, though, when you become a big rock star? Like once, once you're already sleeping on satin sheets and or silk? Yeah. Slide off of them sleep? satin sheets. Now that's a Johnny Paycheck song. When, um, we're in Austin right now, oh. Joe. <laughs> I know the silk sheets is. The, you want me to sing it? Slide off of them satin sheets. Yeah, it's it's on. Uh, take this job and shove it. Same oh, album. Okay. But let's let's stay focused. Well, why do you, like? How do you keep the? How do you keep that feeling? Because you have to stay grounded, right? And you're very grounded. Like you, we were talking before the podcast that you ride your bike everywhere. I do, and I have three different backpacks. 
depending on where I'm going to go because I traded it. You know, if I got to go to the grocery, that's the bigger backpack. But you do all this stuff yourself. You handle everything yourself. You're very normal. And you're, you're, at, you're not normal. But it's you're not very, insult, you're like a regular person. <laughs> I don't, oh, I, I don't, like in the I don't mean you're very, you're very eccentric. So you're not normal. I mean, try find another David Lee Roth, but you're, you do like you, you know, you just go out there and go on these little adventures. I'm sure you get baked to the gills and then you go to the grocery store or something. Okay. Adventure <laughs> means the unpredictable finish. Grocery store for me is very predictable. Yeah. Well, depending on you how high you are. You hear the Texas accent, it's just sliding right in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, accents are music. I'm not. Yeah. Nobody's born with an accent. I know. Orale, you see. What are you trying to say to me, local? No, you don't have a palatal difference. If I was going to meet uh, Prince Harry and uh, Meghan, I'd, I'd give him some salty humor. I go, "Oh, what a wonderful child! I certainly hope he was born with a proper accent." <laughs> You imagine if that kid got to be king and he'd sound like a California beach boy from Santa Barbara. Dude, you are so voked. Voked? <laughs> Revoked. Uh, <laughs> is that the opposite of woke? Dude, I so hereby voke you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been to Santa Barbara recently. I think so they just have no accent. Santa Barbara, they just talk normal. No, no. It, there is an accent that you're not familiar with. I'm not picking you it up. Speak it. It's like it's like a dog whistle. You, you know, like you can't hear we it, but the dogs grew can. up around it. We're California oh, enough that, that y'all don't hear it. They say something about livestock, same kind in same mind. So if you hear someone, you can say, "Oh, you're from Santa Barbara." No, from California. There is yeah, a California like vowel speak kind of a, a little valley speech. Yeah, kind of. Whatever yeah. is that? Uh, well, that sounded like There's Taylor Swift, who's that. sounding like Cal speak. There's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, and it's something that you learn. Yeah, and it's something that we speak. What was our original subject? There who was cares? Some... <laughs> I think we're talking about the sound of uh, the rhythm of accents. There's a. It's. It is fascinating that they get grouped up in certain areas. Hold on you know? a second. You wouldn't know that unless you had golden time when you were traveling. Yeah. In the clubs, in the bars, and the struggle isn't just to make it. It's to educate yourself and figure out who you are and who you aren't. Today, we use reality series for that. Yeah, that's not as good. The road is the way, right? Oh, yeah. And you're going to figure out from working with all of your other colleagues who you aren't, mostly. Because mm -hmm. most of it's going to be, I'll never do that. Oh, God, I'll never wear those shoes. What was he thinking? Oh, shit. Aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you will decide yourself. The same as when we watch the Kardashians. The Kardashians? Oh, are yeah. They the cousins you of the figure out who you are. It's not about them. Oh. You watch and you go, okay, I'd sleep with her, but not her. There's wisdom in this. Okay, but this guy here, he's making a big mistake. He's drinking too much. Mm. Ah, that one, that guy's onto a good idea. And you're figuring out who you are. Right, how, how to, you would be on that show. Oh, a lot of people do that, a human right? Being. That's a cool haircut. You got to be crazy to wear that one, though. <laughs> and we do this on reality. As the decisions show up, you figure out who you are. The hut, the hut, the hut is on fire. Well, I'd go for the extinguisher. And you wait to see what the hero does. My wife watches that show when she's on the, the Stairmaster. 
Which and one? The Kardashian show. And I watch it, and I'm, I'm, I try to study it like a scientist. Well, it's a, it, this, it is an essay on what we value but it's also, in public, but it's who you are. That's what it's for. We used to use the Bible for that. You would what? look at different characters <laughs> in the Bible, and you go, now that's me. The Kardashians of the Bible. Oh, yeah. Oh. And you would look at another character in the Kardashians. You go, yo, dog, y'all going to be a pillar of salt by morning. What I think it does, <laughs> what I think it does is it, it, it locks you into a, like a, a watching mindset because, first of all, it's brilliantly edited. They, they understand the rhythm of like your attention span. And they captured the rhythm by constantly changing scenes and constantly changing cameras and going back and forth. And you just get, you get locked into the drone and you just watch these people live their lives. And very few extraordinary things happen, but many above ordinary things happen. Like they have very nice things. They have beautiful homes. They're very pretty. You know, and but they have like petty problems Hold that on. confuse so it, you. So it's a question, right? I have a you, you compel okay. a question here, Joe. Is we hear a light. It's lifestyles of the rich and famous. There's mm-hmm. an element of that. Okay. Champagne wishes and caviar <laughs> dreams. Remember that Austin, guy? Texas, home <laughs> of <laughs> the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Okay. Um. So. Is that going out of style, or is that becoming more popular? Is that because you know we are a very highly valued culture now? Right. We we love to have public. You know, we love to assign ourselves of right. our values, whether it's social, whether it's political, etc. And the idea of even you know it's you make fun of lifestyles of the rich and famous, but I'm going to wonder if it's even secretly more popular than ever before and just not cool to talk about in public. You mean balling out of control? Well, in, for example, in the hip-hop world, it's always bling brings it. Yeah, that's a, the hip-hop world's never lost their, their love of like beautiful things. Bingo. Yeah. And I see that there is um, a, a China bling or Asian bling. Mm. I say with respect, that's in Beverly Hills. This is a reality series, and the folks are primarily Chinese, and it is their version. There's a show called Asian Bling? Oh, yeah. And you know uh, about that? Look that up. They're is out of like Beverly Hills. Crazy Rich Asians? Uh, that yeah, kind of exactly. Uh, the, the, main, the pivotal character is a billionaire fella. He's a very sympathetic character from Singapore. And everybody there is in Beverly Hills. You'll recognize all the street corners oh. and uh, ice cream store. Bingo. Bling, Bling Empire. Empire on Bingo. Netflix. Okay. Follow LA's wildly wealthy Asian and Asian American fun seekers as they go okay. all out all right. with fabulous now, Joe, parties, Joe, glamour, this and is drama. Like, this, this is like when you guys series. talk about boxers. You can yeah. flip the channel, and it's the same description for every boxer. Scroll, you know, back, scroll back up again. Mexican boxers are a fierce and strong and feisty. You know, Italian boxers are a strong and feisty. You know, Joe, South Pacific boxers, they're a strong. <laughs> I don't follow you. It's the same resume. Same thing. So the bling empire is the same, whether it's with rappers, with... It's identical. And if you're lucky enough to move out of the country for a while, you'll start seeing programs. In When I was in Japan, you'll see Indonesian reality series. You'll see Korean reality series. And half the time, you're not even aware literally what they're saying. But you can figure it out exactly. Mm. And it is a warship of the bling 
that uh, I think I'm going to wonder if America is just learning to hide it or if well, there's an actual change. What do you think? I think there's an actual change. I think I think there's a I think people are less fascinated by materialism now than they have been in the past. And I think uh, there's also an oversaturation, oversaturation of uh, wealthy people posing in front of private jets, you know, that kind of shit. Like, people are done with that. But not in the rap world. In the rap world, the rap world knows how to ride. They know how to ride. They, they keep it exactly the same. It it's all about right blings. out front. Grills. I subscribe to a couple of boat magazines. I don't own a boat. I own a kayak. I subscribe to Wooden Boat, which is wooden all- Wooden Boat magazine? Yes. And it's Why all- Why do, uh, do you, are you thinking about getting a wooden boat or are you just like looking at them? Oh, no. I, I, I grew up in canoes right. and kayaks but and why do you wooden the oars and this kind of a thing. And it's also, you know, the culture of it. It's East right. Coast, Mystic Seaport and et cetera, et cetera. Um, dial this one up. I also subscribe to Boat, B-O-A-T, and there is nothing in there less than 200 feet 200 foot boat? There are boats that are as big as a football field. They're like floating floating apartment buildings. And if you want to know the latest, for example, in onboard digital. Live the dream. Well, unfortunately or fortunately. 106 meter, 106 meter, 300 foot fucking boat. Can you imagine? Imagine just, what if you just decided to live on one of them? Like, fuck, fuck living in a place. Wait a minute. Can you imagine parking one? Well, you wouldn't park it. You would hire, you would I hire want a, a professional. I want to back one up. Yeah, you would hire a professional. Yeah. You see the tender, the little boat that goes with that is two and a half million dollars. It looks like a shoe. That motherfucker has a helicopter on the top of his boat. That's balling. However, there's another set, another side to this, and I'm I didn't do notes, so I'm kind of sprawling here. For example, the upside. Wait a minute, you don't have notes for any of the things you've said so far? No, I have nothing. That's crazy. I who have nothing. Um, Ray Dalio's son. He's I guess in his early 30s. It looks like somewhere in there, and it's Explorer X. He took a gigantic ship that is now for where Costo has left off and with submersible submarines and full editing facilities for film and it's all about climate change and save the ocean ocean explorer or dot org i think it might be he got his dad aboard it looks like a billion dollar ship whoa it's as big as uh, a football field and it's all about saving the ocean and traveling etc whoa there you go and so this is the upside of, Wait a minute, that thing goes underwater? Oh, no, it contains the thing that goes oh, underwater. But it looks like it goes you underwater. You want to do a show from there? You should do a show from there. Mm, they have full like broadcasting facilities, full editing facilities, full everything. And you can go do a, you can do a submersible. Jamie, and you, you can call me on doing, the phone. Should we start doing yacht shows? <laughs> there you go, Joe. Look, should we? Big bubble. Joe, just like, that looks, show, show them the whole boat there. Show them the whole, tell me that doesn't look like mixed martial arts sailing to you. The boat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That 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 looks like a lot it of work. It goes with the shoes. I'm telling you, you must have. <laughs> it goes with the shoes. That's, that's poetry. <laughs> so that is a that's only for conservation. That entire boat that's is all correct. for work, and and that's what you'll find in a magazine like Boat. Oh, I see. So see that's that? why. Yeah. So you, Ocean X. Yep. 
So like SpaceX, but OceanX, they're going to be the first to find the aliens. That's what I think. I want to be. I, I, I want to be the first uh, front man to get into one of those submersibles. Why don't you become homies with James Cameron? I'll give. He's on that boat right now. Just Eddie. don't tell him you eat meat. Don't tell him you eat meat and get one of them. Where are you at with vegetarian? Are you still sh- eating reindeer? I still eat reindeer. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to. I've ins- never I don't had want to reindeer, insult Christmas here. <laughs> I'm more I, of an elk guy, but I, I like uh, all wild game. I okay. like uh, healthy animals. I, I I had reindeer, I think Caribou. it was in Norway or something, and I, I had a religious moment, it's like Santa Claus, Catholic, yeah. something. Um, the first time I pulled the trigger on a rifle was in Newcastle, Indiana, when I was about six years old. Really? Yeah, yeah. As soon as you're old enough to carry it, that's when you start. Um, it was a short-lived career. Pulling yeah. the thing, my pop said, you're the son of a doctor. You don't shoot it. Learn to cook it. So I've taken a few classes. In cooking? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You can go ahead and get it, and I know how to quarter it, and I know how to do camp uh, cooking and so forth. Do you? You Have asked you me, that? where does Laugh to Win stay from? Not what come from. Laugh to Win stay the, from? Where does Laugh to Win? That's the ethic here. Okay. How, do you, how do you stay Right, right, right. How, going? Do, you, how do you stay hungry? Yeah. Where does laugh to win stay from? Not come from. It comes from go and try something new. It doesn't have to be epic. For me, it's always been education because I become friends with my teachers and my instructors and my mentors. Right, like your kendo training oh, and yeah. all that. Because from there, you're going to be hungry. It's one of my favorite stories. When you move to Japan just to learn kendo, I'm like, that's a bad motherfucker. Just decides to go to Japan, brings his dog. Learns kendo and my takes kendo was, four nights a week. My dog was the best icebreaker ever. He was a full uh, Australian. Okay. Shepherd? Yep. With uh, a raccoon tail. Oh. Okay. So you never see a 50-pound dog in, in Japan or whatever. Like, oh, no, you see little pocket rackets. You, oh. know, you got a little, little uh, you know, ankle biters or lots and lots of those. But this looked like a, a wolf. People would ask me, is that a wolf? And I would answer... No, I am. He's ah, from <laughs> <laughs> Russ. And Russ got along with everybody. How long did you man. live in Japan for? Two years. Wow. I based out of there. I took my dog and my guitar. And I did you did not know a single word yeah. of Japanese. You I just went out know. there. You didn't know anybody or anything. No. Right? I, I didn't I know where I was going to go. And you know where I wanted up? In um, the Oakwood Garden Apartments. Ah, oh, they have oak woods in Japan? Are you <laughs> yes. joking? Yeah, exactly like the first tour first tour with Van Halen, right, over on Barham. You want some coffee? Uh, please. And uh, uh, from there, my first day traveling through the lobby, um, this fella's sitting there, and I'm not Cheers. out of line to say, Cheers. Joe, great to see you again. Great to see Thanks you, sir. Thanks for calling. My pleasure. I'm very excited when you decided to come here. Last time I saw you, we had dinner together in Vegas. For people who don't know, David Lee Roth doesn't have a phone. He has a handler. You have to contact the handler. The handler will arrange pickup and drop off of Mr. Roth. If there's any problems, you are to contact the handler, and the handler will take care of everything. Mr. Roth has no email. How many rock stars does it take to put in a light bulb? One. I hold the bulb and expect the world to revolve around me. (laughs) Rock stars don't wear a wristwatch, Joe. We have somebody... Way smarter than us go, 10 minutes, Mr. Roth. Rappers wear some dope <laughs> wristwatch, though. Rappers know how to fucking rock a watch. Hello. Yeah. Um, so I'm walking through the lobby in Japan, and I'm not out of line to say there is a huge person 
sitting in a very special chair that was not in that lobby when I left. So they brought their own chair. Yeah, they have a special chair for him. Oh. And this was the most famous, arguably most famous sumatori, rikishi wrestler oh. in the history of sumo, who happens to also be Hawaiian. Oh. This was Konishiki. Oh, I know who that guy is. Dial him yeah, up. He's Konishiki. enormous. Konishiki. You pronounced that guy's it Konishiki. Konishiki. Um, he was the I man, walked through, right? Huh? He was the man. Oh, big. He won 27 uh, national tournaments in a row and caused Look at that fella. Jesus Christ, look at that picture. Oh, my As God, I he's huge. As I walked through, he stops me, and he says, he, he puts his hand up, and he's got two handlers. Can you see me if I stand up? Do you have a camera that'll... Hit me up if I stand up like this. I, I'm on the camera here. He's got two handlers in white jumpsuits who do like this. They're not looking. They're in abeyance, okay? They're just constantly bowing? Oh, yeah, because he can't get up. He's, at that point, was about 350 pounds. That's it? So getting up there. He looks his, a lot bigger than that. Well, no, his fighting weight was 600 pounds. Oh, okay. So he dropped some weight. Oh, after. yeah. And he was retired. When I, when I met him. 650 pounds? 600 pounds. 600. Yes. I asked him once, what was it like trying to fight you? You want me to do it with the Hawaiian accent? Sure. Bro, it was like they were trying to fight a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> he was the sweetest, coolest, calmest guy. And he said, I'll be your senpai. You're going to need a guide here, bro. His wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And right away, you're going to need a veterinarian. Right? Right away, you're going to need a doctor for the shoulder, my other shoulder, not the one you have. <laughs> you got a, a shoulder issue? Right in the way, you're, gonna, are you, you're doing kendo and you're doing jujitsu, so you're going to need a dentist, and he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be your guide and stuff. He took me to the sumo tournaments. Wow. And he was like national hero. That was like Springsteen showing up at a bar in Jersey. Wow. <laughs> Talk about parting of the ways. And we we got, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll say it, coarse because it's funny sounding. I don't know how many white boys have ever sat in a sumo barracks at the table with all the trainees. Wow, what an honor. That mm. has I just clearly is not done. Yeah. And coming from a arts background as artist and martial arts right i'm a lifer you can tell and uh, well, you trained under benny Arquitas, right yeah you bet benny the jet uh, my first real real time learning the arm bar was in i remember um 1983 wow on the floor of the jet center really yeah i remember they were was, doing arm bars look at that oh, look there at he this is. That is, you and, him, man. and That's we are amazing. at the sumo tournaments right now. Okay. When was it? What year? 2013. Wow. And that is the same building where we play rock and roll, but they take out all of the chairs and so forth. Oh. And he is a national champion, all right? It's like an ex-president. This is awesome. And we started talking, etc. and he's the one who explained to me virtually everything that you see here. These guys are doing judo with each other and using the impact. It's like taking the front-line guys, your defensive tackle versus defensive tackle. That and guy on the left is a... Uh... Sorry to interrupt, but that guy on the left is a European. It looks that's like. right. Look at the size and of that motherfucker. Yeah. Jesus that's, Christ. Don't think of it as a belt. That's a handle. 
that is there that if one of those guys watch, they're going to try and grab that handle because if he can get hold of it, you could throw his ass out of that circle. Jeez. That's what they're trying to deflect there. One of those 400-pounders gets hold of that belt. Sit, sit. Oh, oh beautiful. If he grabs that belt, you're done. And there are famous guys who had the left-hand grab. See, the guy on the left does not look like a regular sumo guy. He looks like a fucking gorilla. He's a tank. They come so in very... They bit? all come is in... Is that... The back up to where that guy Kanishki was? That's there. Does, does that, that guy looks like, like a wrestler wrestler. Okay, Joe. Doesn't he? Joe, let's call the fight together. Okay. You're looking at big barrel bombs on the right. You're right? talking about the kind of face-changing knuckle-to-knuckle uh, impact on the right. Yeah, the guy on the right looks like... can crush your memory. Your the standard... one on the left moves like a mosquito on the water. He pivots. He's going to use judo maneuvers. He's twice as fast. He's three times as quick on his feet. He's sprawling. You know what the sprawl is, Joe? Yeah. And the big boy is stymied. He has stalled. He gets stalled. Look how fast he's moving. Oh. See ya. See ya. I'll Amazing. see you in three endorsements. That it's, <laughs> it's, I always wondered like why see how they that's have, working? I do. Okay, now they're allowed to smack each other in the face. Oh, they are? With the full hand. Really? Okay, oh yeah. Like a strike? Yep, a strike into the throat. They can punch, smack your ears, and they'll spend hundreds of hours working the, the pole. Just like smacking? this. Really? Like this, as long as it's not closed fist. So some guys are going to work your face. Huh. Others are going to take it in the face in order to grab that belt. See how he's trying to grab that belt? Yeah. As soon as he grabs that leverage, you can throw him out like an oil can. And this is a very old sport, right? Like how long is 2,000 years. Oh, my God. This is rich guys going, I have the biggest, baddest front man in the infantry. Oh, and, that's and what you're it going, is. No, 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 no. I you see my bodyguard out guy. there? Yeah. He was a cavalry guy until he was too heavy for the horse. Whoa. I'll go, well, let's see. <laughs> We'll have a banquet, Joe. <laughs> and it's always been this way with a raised platform and a circle that they you have to bet. get out of? just a big mound of dirt, mm. okay? And the ceremony is the big deal. It's right. all the, you know, the actual happens in four seconds. Mm. So it's all about the prep. Now, did you go to anything else over there? Did you go to karate tournaments or anything? Uh, I went to kendo tournaments. I saw a Japanese jiu-jitsu class. Oh. Okay, which is very different than Brazilian jiu-jitsu class. I've taken Brazilian jiu-jitsu class. What's, what's the big difference? Um, well, it's more stand-up, right? Uh, well, no, it's conducted a lot more like uh, it's what we call shugyo, austere training, manners. Okay, a lot more of the character, a lot more of the dignity. There's the bowing. Everybody is kneeling in order the way you might in a taekwondo class. Right, the way your karate is suffering. As opposed to when I did some, I trained briefly with Matt Serra, for example, or the did Silvera you? brothers down in uh, Where'd you train with Matt? Florida, New York. No shit. You went out to Long Island or, or Henzo's? Uh, Henzo's. Oh, no Okay. Kidding. I was wow. there when he got his black belt. Matt, how you are were, you? Really? Yeah, yeah. The day he came in, I said, hey, what happened to your eyes? I got my black belt last night. You wow. know, it was like this a million years ago. We were wow. young. Nothing would have stopped us anyway. Wow. Um, and uh, uh, that's a much more informal and a very street. Okay, it's very practical. So we would sit around the edges of the room and take turns, etc. As opposed to a traditional taekwondo or karate class where it's and everybody is at attention, etc. Um, I find both of great value. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, 
you don't want to teach deadly maneuvers to somebody who doesn't have a little bit of character, a little bit of self-control. You follow. Yeah. You're going to need that self-control, again, to get through the tough times. Of, I really don't feel like training today. First time I ever walked into a karate class was on my birthday in 1966. And I asked him, Ed Parker. This is, uh, you trained with Ed Parker? Oh, yeah. Wow. For years. And, uh, Did I, you see Elvis when he was there? No. That, <laughs> <laughs> almost. No, really? no. You're, you're, it was That's at that time That's around that period. time, yeah. And Ed came, used to come to the shows or whatever. Um. Uh, Ed Parker came to see Van Halen? Oh, many times. And Fuck. you know who he brought many times who became a teacher of my now-departed father was Judo Gene LaBelle. Oh, I oh, love Gene. Judo Gene is part of the laugh I've to had Gene win on the podcast. Ethic. My spirit of how do you stay uh, true to your school, Joe, yes. is part Judo Gene. Yes. It comes from my father. It comes from that whole spirit of. And uh, if you apply that, you want to try new things, okay? Whatever it is, here you are in a new city. Mm -hmm. That's how you stay young and skinny and invincible. <laughs> you know, other people I go, oh, no, good. our parents are here. No, you know, I'm, I'm an Ohioan infantry for life. Well, my body is a temple, but let's rent it out for parties tonight. <laughs> and, and also in school, you're not afraid of anything because you have nothing to lose. Mm. So you have no reputation, you have no money, you probably don't mean anything to anybody, at least in music school or the very first steps when you're in, in the clubs or whatever. So you'll try new things. Hey, let's go try surfing. You want to try surfing? Might kill you. Oh, that's attractive. Let's go. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you back then. There you go. And wow. uh, that's one of my teachers over on the left. That's Frank Trejo. Okay. Like this. Um, and over on the right? Uh, I don't... Ed Parker Jr. Yeah, there you go. So that's Ed, Ed Parker's son? Yes. And Charles Gonzalez. Yeah. That was when my dad got his black belt. Look at you, you fucking young, handsome bastard with a vest on. Let me see that picture my, again. My dad got his black belt when he was 66 years old, something like that, 60 years old. Wow. All, all awesome. of his brothers and everybody showed up and they thought we were visiting instructor. <laughs> How do you uh, keep from blowing your joints out at that age? I've had Throwing seven kicks. surgeries. Seven. I've, I've blown them all out. What, you, what, what kind of surgeries have you had? Thanks, Apanlo, for reminding me. <laughs> Fax me an Advil, will you, kid? What, uh, what surgeries have you had? Oh, back. Come on, you shoulder, etc. What'd you have done to your back? Oh, three in the back, you know, the uh, scooped out and I uh, had the uh, the big Bulging bitch discs. recently. You know, six you hours on the spit. What'd when you have? The, um, uh, they put the cage it? around your spine? Yeah. Oh, no. Finally get it all. But uh, like I said, I've but been what are you bouncing saying? What, what, what was going on with it? Oh, just wear and tear. I wore out my brake pads and tore the, it up. I've been discs. bouncing around hard since I was a teenager. Right. I, I mean, under instructor level stuff you were uh, how, when how recently under the knife did you uh, get your back done most recently uh, about four years ago yeah after the last van halen tour so you and were having like bulging discs or sciatic pain or that oh, kind of yeah, shit yeah you bet and that is a constant how are you going to get through that kind of of uh you know when we talk what is laugh to win right. that'll test your shit and i'll tell you how how you, sh you share you, you learn to laugh at your misery you learn to laugh at your pain. You learn to hold on. I'm going to explain this. Okay. How to do that? Please. 
first two, three surgeries, you're going to have an Indiana pit crew with you. Indiana pit crew? Yeah, like in Indiana. There's going to be 15 people with you. Okay. Your wife's going to be there, your daughter's. Handler, bodyguard, manager. For your first few <laughs> surgeries, is that what you're saying? First two surgeries. First two. Oh, yeah. And then the third one. They get tired you know, of going? Uh, honey, you know the grandparents. Mm, They're old. Right. They'd love to be here, but it is a drive. Okay. Your fourth, fifth surgery, maybe one person goes with you, but mostly they send a car, mm. and you go your own. And this here's actual. I'm going to describe to this. I was sitting at the 5 o'clock in a morning club getting ready this last time. And you got to get there at 5. And now right across from me is a little cancer kid. You can tell because he's got, a, you know, the tube and whatever. He's got the hat on. He looks to me about 9 years old. And um, you can tell that he's had more than a couple because he's only got his mom with him now. That's very unusual. It means you've been here more than once or twice. It's just the way of things. And we have a look. And I remember looking at him. And I know how to ask these questions. That's, I looked at the door and I went like that. It means how many for you? And he held up four fingers like this. He goes, like this. And he looks at me and he goes, looks at the door. I looked around conspiratorially. Seven. And you could see him do the math and break into a big fucking smile. <laughs> and look at his mom like, shit. I still got some in front of me. You share it. Do you understand? You make fun of your own misery and your own pain. And you can share it and get somebody else up that mountain. Mm. Okay. I've gotten to that space in my life. How's your back now? Fucked. Thanks a diaper load for reminding me. <laughs> Is it, did the uh, surgery no, no. help at all? I am a miracle of the Watkins team. The Watkins team? The Watkins team is oh, the Watkins best team. spinal surgeons ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Their knee wall is the biggest you can ever imagine. You know what a knee wall is? No. Here's me with the mayor. Here's me with uh, Joe Wogan. <laughs> Me here's me. <laughs> we should get a me wall here. Yeah. Here's me with Joe. And... <laughs> so, like this. Their me wall right. contains virtually everyone from the Cirque du Soleil. Every action oh, hero you can possibly imagine without naming without naming names. <laughs> it's always back. Right? Every yeah, every sports hero, every pitcher, every golfer, every uh, rock and roller who mm. carries a guitar around with them, etc. And uh, I'm up there three times, three or four times as well. So um, I'm moving and grooving. I'm feeling better than ever. Oh, yeah. And d what did they do exactly? Uh, I had to uh, have a uh, fusion. You oh, know, yeah, where you're going to put a little, a little bit of wedge in. Why? Do I seem taller, Joe? No. <laughs> did they use um, artificial discs? Uh, I have a little bit of a wedge in there. A wedge. Okay, which means I'm now up. First two surgeries made me a little smaller. I was like 5'11", then I was 5'10 and a half, then I was 5'10", and now I'm up another quarter inch. Yeah, my friend got a uh, titanium articulating disc in his lower back, and he gained an inch. Yeah, 
But he, he was fucked for a long time. He was bone on bone for years and years and years, just constantly in a state of inflammation. Yes. And there's a point where all of your yoga and all of the Pallades and so forth won't account for it more. But you're going to play for pain. The injury rate in rock and roll is just like in gymnastics. Mm. It's 100%. Yeah. NFL, you know what that stands for? Not for long. <laughs> the injury rate is 100%. Yeah. What's the injury rate in stand-up? 100%. <laughs> Not really. Not in stand-up. No. It's it's extracurricular Oh, everybody activities. ends up on their feet, right? <laughs> What's extracurricular activities to get you? It's not the stand-up itself. Like rock and roll, you're bound, especially you. I mean, you were throwing high kicks and spinning kicks and dancing around and jumping. and You were very physically active. It's transportation and water and feeding. You know where the best place to go is Vegas. Vegas. Vegas, you can stabilize everything. Not unusual for us to get on the bus and say, uh, bus driver leans out and goes, 10 miles to Houston, Dave. 14, oh, no, 10 hours. 10 hours to Houston, Dave. 12 hours to uh, Lubbock, Dave. 14 hours to Iowa. That's how long your bus ride is after the show. Right. And it's dust boot. No matter, even though you are slightly sleeping, you're doing this. You're rocking and rolling the so whole time. So how does Vegas sta stabilize you? Because you stay there longer? Well, you're in a you're in a specific place. You're like Seabiscuit. So you, you got do a like special a stall with your special food, with your special whatever mm -hmm. you follow, and everybody's rested. And that's where you're going to see the best shows. I don't whether it's me or the Eagles. I don't care if it's Garth Brooks or uh, Aerosmith. You will see us at our best because just like an athlete like when you're calling the fights they're better when they're rested hey get get in country three weeks in advance right and they, it, jet lag may have been what kicked tyson's ass in japan what did he get there two weeks in advance i don't not think enough I not think enough was, i think it was buster douglas and i think it was also partying if you ask him well, these are allegations. <laughs> but I, first thing I would say, if you said, Dave, you're coach for a day, I go, you're fighting in Japan? Get there three months in advance. Three months? Oh, yeah. You That's want crazy. that jet log off? You want your body used to the agua, the water? Mm -hmm. You want right. your body used to the humidity, the temperature? Because it's all different. This is, this is a uh, monsoon archipelago, and it's exotic here as it sounds. Enjoy your sushi. <laughs> so what they do to your back again? They they fused, John, they fused discs. They put wedges. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried about the future. Of course. Um, I'm worried about uh, surgeries. Of course, back surgeries are tricky. That's why I'm asking. They are. But uh, right off the bat, you hear a f this is an ironic story. Is uh, Doctor Watkins Senior? Uh huh. A bit older than me. Um, is world famous. They lecture, they travel, they teach, etc. His son was about 14 years old and collected half a dozen of his friends and Dr. Senior put him in the back of a pickup truck in the days when you could just sit in the back and drove him to the US Festival to watch the mighty Van Halen perform in front of 350,000 people Jeez. back in 1983. 350,000 people. Mm, close friends, family, primarily. <laughs> 350,000 people. And that kid, when he was about 14, 15 years old, 
He is now fully grown up in his father's assistant. He's a spinal surgeon. Mm. And the two of them are the ones who put me back together after the last Van Halen tour. And so you said there's a wedge, but there's uh, there's a cage too? Uh, did yeah. They do, but did they have one of those things around okay, the spine? I, I, I'm, yeah, well, I, I imagine that, you know what, you're going to be better to look this up academically okay but as i understand it there is a wedge that a wedge that goes in there and then there are screws that will hold it in place and now, does everything variety. move okay like do you have like full movement of your spine yeah you're looking good hell yeah watch no pain i'm, no I'm gonna hold a sharpie between my butt cheeks and oh. i'll write you a christmas greeting oh, <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> Damn. Put a little star next to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm heart. moving and grooving and, and, and whatever. Um, I'm very lucky. But it is a result also of you know, I don't go for 10 minutes without thinking about it regularly. Mm. There's at any given time that is my musical instrument. You sing yeah. from the toes the same way you throw a punch. Well, you, you don't just sing from here. It's super active on stage, even now. <coughs> like, you move around. You're not sitting still. Yep. And Remember it, when uh, Axl Rose broke his foot and he was singing from a chair? I'm not sure how you would even do that in terms of just the singing. He was doing Sweet Child of Mine from a chair with the, the rock. You ever see it? I have not. Well, I've seen photos of it. Yeah, he I had a, a cast on his foot and he was sitting in a chair singing and how did it sound it's pretty fucking good i mean it's still axel rose it's still guns and roses he's still you know he's still doing the thing okay he just well, had a broken foot okay well see i wouldn't recommend it chair because he's not that terribly active anyway yeah he does the shape and the shimmy but he's not right. like mick right going from 50 yard line to 50 yard line well he's a guy i'd love to talk to about how active he is because he's in incredible shape he as i know it to be he is a jogger a runner well, he, he is routinely around the reservoir uh, is he still running, really? Oh, oh sure. And that's how you're going to maintain that kind of cardio. Well, he does it's all a legs lot of things, though. He does, like, dance. He does a lot of yoga. He does a lot. Like, Google it, because there was an article that showed his body at whatever he is now, 70-whatever he is. I can tell you what he's doing. There's no magic yeah. to it. Three hours a day, six days a week. Mick's, Mick also performs ballet, weight training, Pilates, jogging, and dynamic stretching, ensuring he maintains maximum flexibility. But look at him throwing kicks and shit. Look at that. Um, at 75, post-heart surgery. Wow. So that was two years ago. So he's 77. But see if you can find an image of his body because uh, there was a photo of him shirtless that was pretty recent. He's fucking shredded. As I know it to be. Po show that. Cause this it's is primarily that jogging, huh? Look at this. This is 75 years old. Dance it around. So there, there but for the grace of God goes us. If he can climb that, then we can too. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible that he's been able to maintain like you this. You know what I think, Joe? I think there are artists. I happen to love the Stones. If you love said them. tomorrow, they're down the street, stay over, Dave, let's go, I would. Yeah. Okay, without a blink. Yeah. If you said that about Sting, I love Sting, but I don't know. <laughs> but you're if not I, sticking around. I, extra I don't day? know if I would stay the extra <laughs> night. I, I don't know. Okay, but it's very important to me. Sting's in great shape too, though. That Sting stay in great shape and that yeah. he continue to make records regularly. 
I have to know that. He's all about Frank, yoga. Frankly, same thing for Springsteen, who I love. He is like a hero. You can't beat the woods. Have I heard the new record? No. Am I planning to? No. <laughs> but it's very important to me Bro, that was... he and the E Street Band make that goddamn record. And I, it's very, and if you say, Dave, you have to pay for a price of a ticket even if you don't go here that quick. I have to know that like the church, he's there day after tomorrow because that means I might be too. Yeah. And that means in my quest and my search that I might climb a mountain just as high as he's climbing at his age. Yeah. And when you say Mick, same thing. That's, That's the Mick Jagger thing. So if you can do that at 75 years old, post-heart surgery. Maybe I can do what I do at 75, I was, says an entire generation yes. or two or three. And that's, the, that's a part that we occupy here. That's part of where we are now mm-hmm. here. Uh, in terms of if, you, if you just pulled your plug at uh, making your fortune, I made mine decades ago. But what you represent becomes that that's why classic rock for example is more popular than it ever was before because of the longevity of it well it's classic rock has a there's a feel to it you know like almond brothers like classic almond brothers or you know there's a feel to it it's like you feel the time in which it was created it comes through in the music that's what I like about it the most. Does it remind you of your past? Does it remind no. you of who you were? No, not really. I, I think more about them. Like if I'm listening to classic Hendrix, I just think about what it must have been like for him to be Jimi Hendrix in 67. See, some people you know? always say, yeah, the music reminds me of when I was young. And I Man. think like you do. No, no, I think about Jimmy. Yeah, I think about I think Jimmy. About what the guy looked like who's singing it. I was listening to Layla last night. I haven't listened and, to that And you're song. thinking of Eric <laughs> playing. <laughs> You're not imagining anybody named Layla, right? No, no I'm thinking of well, the same Eric thing with Clapton. a tattoo. Yeah, we always tell the viewer, no, this represents my my grandpa who used to drink martinis. In fact, mm. but in fact, when I look at my tattoo, I, I think of the guy who gave it to me and where it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone out of my way to make sure I'm somewhere very cool and representative when I get that tattoo. Yeah, you know I'm covered. Yeah, I got no, the full you're, Japanese you're full tuxedo sleep. here. No one's ever seen that, though, right? You don't like you don't have photos of it anywhere, do you? Well, allegedly. <laughs> but I mean, it's not out there online or anything no. like that. No. But you, I got you the, had I the tap the, tap done, right? Oh uh, yeah, you had it old school. I style. got the. It took me three years to Ooh. get it all the way, but I made very sure that when because when you look at your tattoo, for all of you who are just pondering, mm. remember that you're going to think of where you got it and who put it on you and what the music was that you heard right. and who and then who you were at the time. So I went out of my way and I made sure I went to Yokohama and had Sting do it, <laughs> so to speak. Hot dozo on the high desert. No, I had Horiyoshi third. Doing Can this. you show us some of it? It's like this. Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Show Still, us some is, of it. I want to see some of that. Is the right place? Yeah, fuck yeah. Let me see. It's absolutely the right place. Um, it's very out in hot terms... in Texas. I'm and, sorry? Yeah, it's very hot in Texas, and you have a jumpsuit and a sweatshirt underneath it. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's nice. I got the... Uh... Pull that shirt off. Show us the whole fucking thing. Whoa, dude, that's wild. Oh, my God, that's incredible. And that was all done tap style? Almost all of it. Wow. Let me see the back again. 
That's crazy. Where's the head of the dragon? Right in the middle. Oh, shit. There it is. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's just there's so much going on. It's hard to like. That's amazing work. Amazing work. So one guy did all that? Uh, we had one guy do the back and one guy do all the front. Wow. Is, uh, it's all done in Japan. Is the tap-tap style more painful? Is it slower? You know what? It's not that it's so much one hurts more. It all hurts the same, and how much can you take? Mm. Okay? So the needle hurts a certain amount, and if it's just a little dime-sized thing, eh, your threshold wasn't reached. It's you're going to work your way up, and the same thing for tapping. That hurts a little bit less than an electric, okay? But that being said, you may reach your threshold within 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how often you're going. Mm. Now, I'm not going to kid you. I learned to fear that needle. I had to get ready, like getting ready for a fist fight, man. Mm. I had to get on the bike, get my heart rate up with 45 minutes. I had to make Look sure. I had to make sure. There you go. In the that, tattoo uh, studio. That's Horiyoshi the third, and he's really famous. You know. It's, Is there any video you getting tap tap tapped? Ah, uh, there may be some in there. Yeah, I want to see it. It's a, a bizarre and a beautiful style of uh, tattooing, the way they do it with that, the stick and the tap, 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 tap. I pursued a whole art approach there. You know, I paint and draw every day. Do you? Yeah. And on my Instagram, you can see a lot of my artwork and stuff like this. So I want to see some. When I wasn't doing One uh, my training, um, uh, I went to uh, an academy for Sumie, which is ink painting. I had a sensei for that. I went twice a week, sometimes three times. I was the only Anglo there. <laughs> and uh, it's a, uh, I cr what I did, Joe, is I created a liberal arts education that I never had because I went on the road with Van Halen and never looked back. High dozo on the high desert. Well, so I said, what, what, what would you do if you went to college in the 1500s? You would learn language which I learned every morning. You would learn kendo. You would learn go. Mm. And you would learn how to handle the end of that paintbrush so that when you handle the end of that sword and it's surgically sharp, you have that finesse in your hands. Do you follow my reasoning? Sure. If you can make a perfectly straight line with your breath, you're more liable to be able to manage that surgically sharp five-pound sushi knife that's in your hand here because your eye has been trained to mm. where to position a fine point. This is the thinking. Also, how do you develop, but you know, it, your, That's all your it, art? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I went to art class the way you would in the 1500s, and I spent two years learning how to handle four shades of gray and one shade of black. Wow. Yeah, um, that was um, one of Miyamoto Musashi's rules of life that you had to be balanced you had to do everything you had to learn calligraphy you had to learn art painting poetry if you, had to... you, if you don't have a real fine touch with the brush the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to grip that blade with all of your fingers okay mm. and you're going to end up tearing all of your tendons like that you're going to get surfer knots like this that are right there on top of your uh, like that you follow what's that from it's from gripping the blade wrong for the first four years. 
of training. You have to learn how to relax the hand. Yep, you... and you'll use a paintbrush to do that. You'll use a paintbrush so that you only are using that middle finger and that thumb here. If you had mm. a sword here, I can balance a, a full blast, uh, you know, live blade, and you only use this. You're not doing this. It's not baseball. Right. It's just here. It's a little closer to golf. You, that's the thing you learn it, when you play pool. Yes, it's you play a, pool. You use these fingers. Bingo! When I hold the cue. I hold. I cradle you see, the cue. You see, you have that feather touch yeah. to it, and it's all right here. You'll see frequently in 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 the woodblock prints when you're holding a sword, your fingers are like this in the print, like this, mm -hmm. and use the paintbrush to teach that. Mm. Also, there's an appreciation that comes into there's a balance because if it's all combat and it's all uh, life or death then right. there's no finesse to that right it just becomes brutal you follow i do follow so you learned all those things to balance out your you did it on purpose you wanted to give yourself a balanced education i knew i was going to come out a different person after two years in japan i had no idea how or what that would be but i was very intrigued on what it might but, turn out so let's go where do you think you gained that perspective to, to, to have the foresight to know that you would great get great benefit out of just doing this very unusual thing moving to Japan learning kendo learning to play go learning to paint learning uh, the language that like this that this education would be very beneficial to you I mean this is a, that's a well, the first very thing rare first thing, thing to do for a rock star right yeah the first thing you would learn is what I learned which is don't expect to be great in any of it right just try to learn. Which, yeah. Enjoy the it's process. The process. Yeah, that's what will change. At the same time. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Joe, I could probably teach you go in thirty minutes, and you'd whip my ass in two days. I, I know bet that I about wouldn't. you already. <laughs> I bet I wouldn't. But I bet you I'm a better teacher four years from now. <laughs> Just because I've had more class instruction in right. so many things. And when they teach you I'm, Go, what uh, I've never played Go. Well, hold on. You asked me, how do I know, yeah, how'd you know to that, make an adventure? Yes. What was the first job that you ever wanted to have as a kid, a little kid? When you six years old, nine years old, ten years old. I wanted to be an artist. What kind of artist? Comic book. Comic book illustrator fascinating yeah i wanted to join the peace corps and i oh. announced it it was about seven really oh yeah and that was in, when they invented it and then to add uh you know, fury to the fire a next door neighbor actually did join the peace corps Chick Lewis was his name. This was in 1963, somewhere in there. And he went to West Africa and taught him how to dig, you know, uh, crop rotation and everything. And he and in, and in an inter-tribe squabble got shot with an arrow. Oh, fuck yeah! <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I couldn't live? wait. The idea. And when I told Did my parents. Oh, yeah. And when my parents, when I told my parents, my father's a doctor. And I told my parents, I want to join the Peace Corps. It was supported. So the, the oh, guy getting that'll, that'll turn, that'll make you, that'll build your character. Now you'll become, now you will make a contribution. Every dinner started, every dinner of my life, until my dad was dead and I was 60 years old, was started off with, okay, children, he called us that in our 60s. Okay, children, what did we do today that was constructive? Yeah. Or, okay, children. 
what did we do today that's worth putting in the book, as if you were writing a great book? Mm. And the best was, okay, children, what did we do today that's going to benefit the rest of us? <laughs> and my solution to that early on was the Peace Corps. So this we're guy, pitch hold on. in. Hold on. We're going to pitch in, and we're going to come back with some adventure this stories. This guy got shot with an arrow, and yeah. he, but he lived. Oh, yeah, yeah. Air vac him out and fly him back to California. But, you know, fellas, fellas, we're all family. Jesus. <laughs> Where'd he get like, hit? Uh, that I don't remember. But, you know, he's in West Africa in the 60s, yeah. and they're learning how to dig uh, trenches and teaching health and building infirmaries. And I learned early on from that that you could pitch in you know what that means that means help help out but you could combine some adventure with it too mm. and that that can take you some really interesting places and that it was okay to seek out adventure as long as you're pitching in and so you went to the peace corps no <laughs> no no but you but wanted to. i made up for you it later it. on i went back to school when i was 48 and i'm and i came in emt Oh, I remember that. In yeah. New York City, yeah. of all things. I had no idea that I was actually going to put on a uniform. I thought to myself, where can I get civilian first aid training that's the most extreme? I thought, ah, an ambulance driver in New York City or Chicago or Miami. I, I, I hired a school. I joined a school, paid for it. It took me about six months. I thought at the end of it, I'll take my exams, make my teacher proud, and now I am that much smarter. I travel a lot. I travel a lot alone. I just increase my education, be of value. Mm. All right? And at the end of it, my instructor, senior instructor Rice, says, so, you're going to go do your ambulance time? I was stunned. What do you mean ambulance time? She says, you got great practical scores. She says, I know you were just planning to, you know, graduate and move on, but you can get a uniform and we'll get you in an ambulance and you can go do your uh, 200 hours or whatever it is to an artist like us, to a poet like us, a storyteller. We're going to go walk into more apartments in the Marcy Projects than Jay-Z, who's from there, <laughs> so to speak. We're going to go crawl under the train at the Fulton Street Station. We're going to go up onto the rooftops, 13 floors up, being led by a nine-year-old kid yelling, she's this way, she's this way, and uh, you're actually going to save her fucking life? That's wild. Not only that, but we're going to learn how to open a fire hydrant. <laughs> 1930s style, the one with the big deep keyhole. Mm -hmm. I know you always wondered. Yeah. I'm not saying it on the radio. It's but hard I learned. <laughs> I can teach you all kinds of great things. It's endless. And walking into somebody's place and the stories, my favorite was the old folks. My favorite was uh, 70 and up because they got the stories. They're the most stoic. They'd be the most calm you follow. Right now, for example, I'll give you one of my favorites, Coney Island. This is a far reach here. Uh, many of you who work in EMT services, fire, uh, law enforcement, etc., in the Coney Island area, 
I'm going to change his last name a little bit, but you're going to remember exactly who I'm talking about. It's Donnie Sheckler. I changed his last name just enough. Donnie was the most famous homeless person in the whole Coney Island area. I met Donnie the first time in a rainstorm in the middle of the winter parked next to the Ferris wheel on Stillwell Avenue, the wooden one. He asked if we, he could come and sit in the back of a bus. We call it an ambulance box because he was soaking wet. And the fellows, my teachers at the time, my instructors, they knew him right away. Donnie, how are you? Donnie was, sure, man, get in there. Donnie was, had newspaper for insulation and whatever like this. We let him warm up. Come on, Donnie, get in here. We got heat. Saw him again that summer. Sure, Donnie, get in here. We got air conditioning. Donnie would call himself in to the ambulance, and we would have to go get him. We always acted like we, we knew him, but we treated him like we'd never heard this before. And we would drive him to Coney Island Hospital, where they would give him a meal, warm him up or cool him down, and release him, say, four to six hours later. On a day like today, when we would get on shift, we would all ask fondly, well, has Donnie checked in yet? Because Donnie would call himself into the hospital four times in one day. He would be released, and you'd get another call, and we'd have to drive back down to the liquor store and pick Donnie up as if we hadn't seen him that morning. So was that his, like, socializing? That was his thing, is he had figured out the system. The last time I lifted Donnie up into the ambulance, I noticed he had on a brand-new pair of Payless uh, wingtips. The fellas down at Payless had helped him out. We routinely bought him something to drink. Donnie was kind of eyes and ears for us. What happened? Eh, I'll tell you what happened, boys, because I saw it. First time I deal dealt with a gunshot. Fellow got, I think, seven times. All in the back of his ass. It was Donnie from across the street who saw what happened. What happened, Donnie? Well, you know the way these kids hold the gun? You know how hip-hop guys hold the gun and they kind of droop it sideways? Mm -hmm. Well... First guy came walking out of the liquor store, and the second guy was holding that gun, like drooping it. The first guy turned around, tried to run away, and all the bullets went in his ass. <laughs> now this is too dark, Joe. Wow, <laughs> what did his ass look like with seven bullets? In? It's not a lot of ass meat there. No, he bent over, tried disaster. to run back into the store because of that oh, hip hop shit God. with the gun. All the bullets went down instead of straight, and he survived. We patched him up. Uh, by the way, insider's tip, you know, the gauze sterile pack that has uh, cellophane? Mm -hmm. It's sterile inside. You don't use the gauze because that gets soaked up. Just put the plastic right on the hole. Okay. Boom. Uh, we would routinely, when it starts getting summer, and I bring it up now, when we get on shift, we would wonder out loud, what time do you think Donnie's going to call in? Oh, fuck, it's 95 degrees today. How long did you do this for? Four and a half years. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Four and a half years as an EMT. Well. How many days a week? Oh, on and off. It was, you know, it's a continuum. Right. And for me, it was primarily education, too. I took every possible course you could imagine. Did a lot of people International School you? for Tactical Medicine, Explosive Incident Command, History, Treatment, Mechanism, and Future Prospects and everything. If nothing else... 
you're a little luckier if I'm in the room if there's an earthquake, Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think they get many of them out here, but... <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We're back in L.A. Um, be of value. Be of value. And it's an old approach, again, that, uh, you know who has this is Israel, okay? Israeli approach is, if you're good with dogs, I'm going to drop my dogs off with you in case there's an earthquake, in case there's a hurricane, in case there's a flood. I hear it's going to flood around here pretty soon, like tomorrow. Is it? Yeah. Well, if I'm wearing a blue uniform, I'm going to drop my dogs off with you, if you're a dog man. Who knows how to cook? For 80 people. <laughs> Good. You're going to make pancakes for tomorrow's breakfast because I got to go work the fucking flood. Where's my dog? Where's my... <laughs> I know how to take care of the take care of others. I've been trained in how to take care of first responders. It's a different protocol. Things that you might get sued for if you handle civilians like tourniquets. If it's somebody who went down from heat prostration and, and, and opened up a big-time wound, I'm carrying five tourniquets if that's tactical. Do you follow the reasoning? Yes. You know, it's a different kind of a uh, first responders will wear themselves out way quick. you got to make sure everybody's drinking water. you got to make sure that everybody's warm enough or Did cold enough. Did people recognize you when you were doing this? Never. Really? Not ever. Not ever. Because they just didn't expect it. No. And I stayed, uh, I shaved off all my hair. I weighed probably 15 more pounds of bench press, everything. Um, I, they never used my name. I was D-Row. You, you could yell my name across the, uh, the field. But they all knew who you were. And oh, they were I'm tickled. sure their friends oh, yeah. knew who they were you were. tickled. How to be so strange for them. Well, if, real you're, if you're genuinely calls. enthusiastic, and I, I said it to you before, and I meant it true. I say it funny, but I mean it money. I wasn't somebody till I put on that blue uniform, as in, somebody make some coffee. <laughs> and I, I knew it, and I accepted it and loved it. I wasn't someone. I said, someone make some fucking coffee. <laughs> and I was that someone. Right. So I have no illusions about, you know, uh, again, was I good at chess? No. Have I taken a million lessons? You bet. And that has given me a strength of patience and an enthusiasm for everything that we're talking about here. And do you still carry this approach to education and experience now? Are you still doing new things now? You got any? I take guitar lessons every guitar week, lessons. and we just learned Al Green's. I can uh, Al Green's. Um, uh, Let's stay together, and Jesus just left Chicago by ZZ Top. Oh. <laughs> I'm, you know. When did you start taking guitar lessons? I never stopped. So you, I, all your whole life. Yes. Yeah. A acoustic. I play. Uh, well, the way I said to the guitar teacher, I says, imagine that I'm sitting at a beach bar, somewhere like, say, Florida, and there's all kinds of interesting people. You have Jimmy Buffett types, and hey, there's some fashion models on a shoot, and uh, Joey's there, and uh, some of the guys from the gym, etc., like this, and somebody hands me a guitar. I got to be able to do an hour. <laughs> mm. What can I play? You know, how that tone. So I don't play rock and roll. I play Django Reinhardt. I play Django uh, Reinhardt. What's that? Uh, Gypsy. Okay. You, oh, okay. You can, I don't. I play um, jazz. 
I play 1930s style sort of a thing, all right? I play uh, Brazilian samba. Everything's it's kind of like uh, happy hour at Diamond Dave's Tiki Bunker, where the debris meets the sea. <laughs> happy hour from five till February, Joe. And that's the that's the repartee. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, next is uh, a Brazilian uh, version of "I Can't Go for That" because I can't, Joe. <laughs> no, 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 can do. <laughs> We laugh. It's like sideburns, but we all had them. Yeah. So, guitar. What else are you uh, learning? Can we take I'm a sure break? you're multi. Yeah, you got to take a leak or something. Yes. Go ahead. Go do that. We'll be right here. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with more Diamond Dave. <laughs> Diamond Dave's gonna refuel. I guarantee you. We're not live, are we? No. no. No, don't worry about it. We're good. Because if we're live, I'll hold it. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not live. Go ahead. We want you to be comfortable. Even if we were live, Jamie and I would just talk. We're good. <sighs> That's some strong weed. Get some of that. Jesus. He's, uh, he's different than the last time he was here. Not in a bad way, but like even more. Uh, what's the word? Exaggerated? Like, bigger than, like, he's just more of a character. Yeah. <clears throat> do you think that people do, no, I don't, not, this is not disrespectful, because he can hear this, because he's in the other room, broadcast out there. Do you think as people get older, they become more eccentric on purpose, almost as like, it's kind of like a bit of a shield, Right? You're like constantly performative. More and more, like to to be a guy like that, to be a rock star for most of your life, he almost has to like. He he almost has to. Fake reality, you know what I'm saying? Like he he almost has to do. A simulation of reality, because his reality is so weird. Like for him to, to like take an EMT classes and all these different things going to Japan, he's almost got to like insert himself into like a, a struggle, like make a struggle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's also like a... Simulate reality. There's also what? I'm trying to think how to... Words. Uh, not like the not giving a fuck... Yeah, there's that too. Where it's just rubbed off enough where there's none left. And you just live life. Yeah. Really not caring. Well, there's definitely, he's definitely got a lot of that. But it's also, whenever someone's so eccentric, I'm, I always wonder if, like, some of that eccentricity, is that a word? Seems like it is. It is, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eccentric, eccentricity. Just does, I don't think I've ever used that word. What am I talking about? I'm sure I've used that word. But it's it's almost like that becomes sort of like a, a coat of armor that you wear. Like, you're just eccentric. Yeah, the only person that's coming to my head is like Prince. Oh, he like, was super eccentric, yeah. I was watching a video I took at a concert that I went, the only, well, the only time I saw Prince live, but that's what he was doing. He kept coming in front of the stage, performing a little, Backing off, turning the lights down, 
in full control of like the whole venue from the mic. Mm. It's very, it's di- very different. Yeah. And he has that full band with him playing a bunch of music. I'm not f- super familiar with because it wasn't like popular Prince songs. Well, he did his own thing across the board. I mean, he like stayed in Minneapolis. Want to shut all those doors? Show the that one too. Thank you. You want me back, right? I love you. (laughs) Of course, I want you back. Is is your uh, is that paint? Did you make that paint on purpose, or is that paint from painting? No, this is actual, real deal. Come sit down so people can hear you. To us during a course I took. Come sit down so people can hear you. No, this is actually. you took a it course was issued on painting? to me during an actual tactical course, but I'm a combat hippie. Peace, love, and heavy weapons here, yo. So did, so, did you get that paint from painting? Yeah. Everything what? that you saw on the screen there, on oh. my Instagram and so forth, is you all do I it. paint giant size and little size, and, you know, there you go. Yeah, there it that's is. me. And, so and everything I do that. is in that size exactly that way. I do it the way I learned, which is on my knees on a tatami mat there. Can you dig? It's all done in a little corner, just like that. It's mm. all done there, just like that. Boom. That's my lesson. We'll spend about four hours there, just like that. And my whole drawing space is about, it's just a, a mat that's about three feet wide by three feet wide. That's my office. Everything I do is done in that position, bent over like when you first started reading the Sunday comics on the floor. You would lay on your belly or yeah. on your knees. Well, there you go. Well, you just have such a remarkably un-rock star-like existence while simultaneously being very much a rock star. You know, you do your own thing. Like, you have a very, it's a very unusual, like, there's no other people I know like you that are you. You know what I mean? That, that are in your category. Why do you think that might be, if it's true? I don't know, man. It's you. It's part of what makes you uh, unusual. Rock and roll is kind of where the debris means to see. If you tilt the map, like Los Angeles, everything loose and unscrewed down rolls into L.A. or everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in rock and roll is that wonderful collecting point where you can combine sea salt with caramel. At first, it might not seem right. <laughs> you can combine peanut butter with chocolate. What do you do? And voila! I don't know if you just answered me or not. (laughs) If you were a chef, you can take chances in rock and roll. You dig other types of music, not so much. Orchestra, Shakespeare, you don't change a note. Right. You follow? But in rock and roll, we learned from all of our heroes, and this is our 50th year coming up. Al Van Halen and I, 48, I think, for Mike and the two of us, all right? And we come from backgrounds of different kinds of music. I played saxophone in the marching band. I learned to play saxophone starting when I was uh, fourth, fifth grade, all the way up until I was a teenager. So I think in terms of brass. On, On my walls when I was growing up was Leonard Bernstein, Bob Dylan, and Bobby Fischer. Ah. Later was Jimi Hendrix and James Brown. So you were always in a chess, even back then? Oh, yeah. It was just part of. Do you play it on a computer ever? No. no. Uh, it, computers came after me. I, I got as far. <laughs> I played up until uh, the little pieces that fit in and then switched to Go. I've been playing Go for a lot of years. I grew up in a Japanese community up in Altadena. 
come on, that game was always there, like woodblock prints with these kinds of, of do prints. You, do you find people to play with? Like, how do you uh, organize Go games? Well, COVID knocked me out. Right. But I have a visiting instructor, Mr. Really? Kim, Professor Kim, who Professor would come Kim over to the over. house regularly. Really? Oh, yeah. And, uh, geez, that got me through recovery on my back. We would, yeah, I would stand up for my two-hour lesson because I couldn't sit down. Mm. And uh, he felt he felt uh, initially that I was not playing like a Korean would, which felt I was weak. And he felt that uh, even though it was unorthodox that I would stand up to play the game, that it increased my aggression and that I was playing more like a Korean, mm. and that was of value. <laughs> so... <laughs> What was your style? Your style was not. Uh, it was wasn't defensive. Aggressive. Defensive. Yes, I was playing according to a different approach. And now with AlphaGo and artificial intelligence coming after us, it's a much more aggressive form of play. It's like prison boxing versus uh, pugilism. Mm. You follow? You of all people know that technical boxing is uh, something very different than. In prison, you just start throwing and throwing and throwing until the, the one round is over, as opposed to defend, keep a counterpunch, counterpunch, counterpunch. And with artificial intelligence now, we have to form teams of professional-level, tournament-level players of four and six now to put your minds together to battle that computer, all right? And it is decisive because it has no human fear. Hmm. It's not afraid of anything. So you have to adapt some of that mindset in, uh, in the new approaches to how we play. So go. human fear factors into the game? Always. Human really? fear factors into everything. Mm. You, you lose 80 pieces in one sweep, that'll test your shit. Now, that's not a Korean expression, but it could be. <laughs> You're, and this is played, by the way, every just Chinese, Korean, mm -hmm. Japanese, Indonesian. It's huge. So and it's, don't they sometimes play it on multiple levels? Like, isn't there a, a Go game that has like more than one, mm, like a three D? I'm go? sure there are. There are computerized. There are computer games that resemble this, but the original is so wildly complex. The amount of memory, also. For example, what you're seeing now in terms of politics is guided by Go versus chess. How so? Well. Chinese versus American? Sure. Let's go there. Okay. Is in the middle of the chessboard is what Westerners always struggle to control. Control those center four squares. You follow? Okay. Asian approach to Go is, no, no, corner work. Jozeki, you want to work the four corners and surround. Mm. And that's what's happening when we start seeing colonial approaches. You follow? No. S well, suppose, you know, when you hear that, uh, and it's not just Chinese, it could be any country, but, but when you hear, for example, so-and-so is buying up all the water in Africa, all the oil in mm. Ecuador, and all of the ice in the south of it, whatever, they're thinking in four corners. They are surrounding you follow? Westerners love to think in terms of heavy infantry. You make a line, I'll make a line, and like the Civil War, we'll march right into each other. It's kind of like chess. Go is, no, no, no. I'm going to hide in a tree over here in this corner. 
<laughs> I'm going to hide under the water down in this corner. And I'm going to hide behind a rock in this corner. I'm going to let you wander down in the middle. Trick or treat. You think that's what's going on right now? Absolutely. It's a whole different mindset. And Are you're you trained in this from the time you're West Point. Are you concerned? <clears throat> I'm pissed. How People so? say, what are you pissed about? What have you got to be pissed about? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can make a lot of jokes about being egocentric, okay? But I stopped being pissed on my own behalf a long time ago. I'm pissed on your behalf. I'm pissed on your kid's behalf. What kind of fuck shit world are we leaving behind where they don't get to go to Florida because it's underwater? <laughs> What kind of what kind of place are we going where yeah there used to be some really great giant trees now but they're dead Where are we going what kind of place do we leave behind I have a house that has trees on it that are 100 years old and more And my my opening statement to the gardeners is I don't give a fuck what you think of me I'm showbiz and I already know I catch you messing with these trees we're going to have a real bad day. I used to chase the coyotes down in Arroyo Seco in Pasadena. Now I'm old and I protect them. You protect the coyotes? You bet. In so many senses of the world, <laughs> I'll vote your ass right out of that town I catch you chasing. Chasing coyotes? You know what I'm saying, Joe. I'm I speaking poetically. It's, yeah, don't you're pee all over in the, map. the ocean either. Don't pee in the ocean? Don't fuck the ocean up. You don't pee in I know. It? I know people who have kids. Don't fuck the ocean up. Well, yeah, but that's not peeing. Right? I enjoyed my ocean. I've I mean, had my ocean ocean's time. Ocean's amazing. Okay? Now, so you're saying, on behalf of everybody else who depends on the ocean, don't pee in you it. You don't mean real pee. You'll piss me off. You mean like pollution. <laughs> Everything like, I say is poetry. Come I on. I understand. Come on. I'm trying to decipher. So, but what are you pissed off about? We, we went from China to environmental concerns. I'm pissed we, about everything. Don't you watch the documentaries? I watched some Pick of them. Pick any subject. Yeah. Any subject. But, like, are you pissed off about, like, what, what are you pissed off about? Commerce? International commerce with are China? We, are, we still, are, are, are we still arguing over women's rights? I, I think in some states, yes. In some states, particularly with abortion rights, it, it's are we still a giant still issue. Are we struggling over Roe versus Wade? Really? Yeah. Okay. Um. I have the simplest solution. Let's move around the subject board here a little bit. Uh, law enforcement. There's a great subject, okay? okay? And we talk about sweeping reforms and defunding police mm -hmm. and whatever. Okay, the only one who listens to both sides of any argument is the neighbors. And I am your friendly neighbor, Dave. Okay. All right. Hi, Dave. Anytime things spill out of control, I don't care if you got a cowboy hat or dreadlocks. I don't care if you're a skinhead or you are rock and roll. I have seen the party spill out of control. I have been a major component in that party spilling out of control, me and my music. You're going to need some law enforcement, okay? And whenever you talk about sweeping reforms, well, you ask me, Dave, well, I want you to reform your show a little bit. My first thought is let's see the money. If you say, no, Dave, I'm going to pay you less, and I'd like to see you change your show. <laughs> well, so why would you expect anywhere else? Okay. Now, 
I grew up around law enforcement. I grew up around military. My first, I, was the, I was the only guy who wasn't law enforcement in my first karate class. They were all four feet taller than me. <laughs> it's, it's a natural thing. Okay, the idea that we're going to defund the police and, and expect what? You know, be crazy. So here's your solution. And that we haven't gotten to it is starting to fucking piss me off. You got to triple the paychecks. And then you'll start getting the genius level combat proof, full blast industrial strength brains because you're going to have to be a psychiatrist, a social worker, a, a Delta team member, a SWAT team fellow, you all in one. I can get you that. if you Let's start with $3,500 a week for patrol. Wait a second. Police chiefs should be making what that grubby fuck shit lawyer down the street makes, which is $300 an hour. Yeah, an hour. And now, once you've established some proper, thoughtful paychecks, I have some reforms. And I'll bet you we have an atmosphere that's a little bit more elastic. Instead of this, well, I'm going to take away your lunch hour. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say fuck you in nine languages now. On the other hand, I don't have any particular love for the uniform. Well, I do. 5'11 uniform looks good. But don't think for a second that I am all the way over on one side or another. I am a left-wing liberal rights, 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 rights. Can you dig it? Yeah. All right. And, uh, I'm with you. I have no problem with shaving my head and joining a military force to defend those rights if I am called upon to do it. I'm too old to do that, but I'm not too old for first aid. Can you dig it? I can dig it. So I'm right down the middle. Before my daddy died, he was in the wheelchair. He waited until my sisters were out the door. He says, go in the drawer. I got some papers. I says, what do you got? We were co-conspirators, me and my dad. He's going to join Doctors Without Borders. He's going to go to Africa, do eye exams. I says, how does that work with a wheelchair? He says, I don't have to stand up to do eye exams. Don't tell your sisters. He Whoa. died three months later. Okay. This is a good interview. Yeah, we're all <laughs> over the place. So I'm with you on the police thing. The defunding the police things, idealistically, I see what they're thinking. They're thinking that there's too much police brutality. There's too many rogue cops, too many people that are unqualified to handle the job, and then they, they they over- escalate situations and we see those viral videos and they're infuriating. I can infuriating solve, it with, I can solve it with the color of America, which is green. It's not black. Yeah, yeah, it's, but it's not, not white. It's not, it's not whatever. If you pay check appropriately for people, then you can make your requests like responsible. Paycheck is one thing. You want really me to be responsible training. for the bullets in my gun? Pay me to do it. They need training. They need much, much, You much want me to training. train? You pay me to do it. Uh, oh, for sure. But they also need training. I mean, the, the, the money should, look, it should be a very valuable position. It's very difficult to attain. Same as a teacher. It's incredibly valuable for our culture, for our, our, our human beings that we're protecting and that we educate. It should be a, a, a very high prestige job, but unfortunately it's not, whether it's school teacher or police officer. It's the same kind of thing. And I think police officers in particular are woefully undertrained. And if you talk to people like Jocko Willink, who's a former Navy, <clears throat> former Navy SEAL commander, he'll tell you that they should be spending somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60% of their time training. 
So when they go into situations, they know exactly what to do, how to handle it, and they do it with, with discipline, the type of discipline that you get with special forces groups. I completely that, agree with you. That's how it should be. You should read my comic strip. You have a comic I have strip? no particular love for the police. I just understand I love human a lot of the chemistry. Police. I, I, right? I have no love for abusive police, but I have all the love in the world for police that are doing their job and risking their life to help people and keep people safe. I think that's what most of them are doing. And most of them are infuriated by bad police work. Most of them see guys being abusive and see horrible things that get escalated unnecessarily by insecure cops well, and you and know what unfortunately furious. i think i'm the first one coming out of my bracket of entertainment to even talk like this i'll lose friends for even speaking like this what friends? i don't think so oh no the left wing wants nothing to do with this new left wing routinely embarks on punishment of the police. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the, I don't think they understand what they're talking about when they're saying defund the police. You're seeing that now in Minneapolis. You're seeing it in New York City. You're seeing it in a lot of these places that have defunded the police or at least taken the teeth out of the police. Then you have radically escalating violence, radically escalating murder rates, break-ins. It's horrific shit, and it's not the way to handle things. You're just going to make people less safe. You're going to make it more dangerous, and you're going to make the cops less likely to engage. Cops now are scared to go on calls because they don't want to wind up in a viral video. I, they don't. They don't want to get sued. I see it. I'm when in New York City. They can civil sue cops now. These civil suits are back. I think that used to be kind of one-sided, and it's not anymore. You see the Democratic riots, and you had a lot of long hairs and Mayor Daley, which was you know a real extreme lopsided event, and today. Uh, I think you, you, we have an equal. You say, what pisses you off? Yeah. I don't care if you got a man bun or a skin hit. <laughs> I don't care if you're wearing camo we on the dance floor. We got both in this room. I, I don't care if you're wearing camo on the dance floor or you are metro whatever. I don't care who you're fucking or how hard. It's But both sides are scaring each other's horses now. And yeah. that's that's an anger moment for me. Really? We're still arguing over these basics. Voter rights? Really? Come on. This is, there are some real givens here. Civil rights. Really? We haven't really advanced from my, my memory in the 70s, 60s, really, in terms of actual civil rights. We're arguing over statues? Really? That pisses me off. Seems small. Seems like there's bigger issues, yo. Well, we can we've explored some of them here, and uh, it's way easier to focus on a statue than it is what's going on with the climate. Really, we're still arguing if that's for real. That pisses me off because I love the ocean. Well, the statues are right in front of you. You know, yeah. something like the ocean is an enormous problem that requires international cooperation. That's very difficult to attain. That's an uns almost insurmountable problem. But that statue's right there, and that guy was a slave owner. And so they're like, take it down. And I get that. I get that they're trying to shape the world in a better place. And I think a lot of the statues that they're taking down, here's the, the rub with a lot of the uh, statues that they were taking down that were put up during the Civil Rights Movement of like uh, Confederate soldiers and stuff like that. Those were put up in protest of the Civil Rights Movement, and they were really cheap they're really shitty statues. They, they were put up like at a time where there was people resisting the civil rights movement. So the people that want to take down those statues, 
there's probably some real good arguments for that. I, I fully support yeah, that. But when you get back to like taking down statues of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, like now you're getting a little crazy. And I oh, understand that a lot crazier. of those people were slave owners. They wait, were. Wait, wait, let's go even crazier. Yeah. If you don't draw, yeah, I don't want to walk past a statue of a Nazi. Right. Okay. I read a book, Lost Victories, by Mannheim, tank commander. He's a brilliant tank commander. He's a Nazi. And I don't really want to walk past his statue. Right. Even though he's got some pretty good lessons in terms of combat. <laughs> you read his book? Oh, yeah. What, okay. is, it, what is it about? About tank tanks, warfare. tank strategies? Arm, armored strategy, okay, and so forth. Why did you read a book on armored tank strategy? It's all connected. Mm. All right. You could play that out on the board. Right. You know, do you play chess at all? Have you ever played? chess? I have played chess. What but do you I, imagine I when you play chess? Just it. pieces, or I do imagine you... what it'd be like to be that chick from Queen's Gambit and kicking everybody's ass. There but, you but go. I don't really know how to play. I hear horses <laughs> when I play. You hear horses when I, when I play Go. I it's cavalry. Oh, really? Oh yeah. I imagine that it's cavalry, and I'm going to work your flank. I'm going to crush your middle. Mm. I'm going to buckle that left first because you're right-handed, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm giving you away my tricks but <laughs> yeah that's okay i don't no. i don't have enough time to learn go but uh where were we we were strategy we were um tank book. your tank book oh nazis statues statues you of don't bad draw people. a line at okay the statues need to go if you're right. going to start to argue about it and it becomes a huge contention then it, it virally will expand to something ugly like hamilton which was the play that got yes. made into a movie got disincluded from winning an award because hamilton owned slaves now the individuals who wrote that play probably never even conceived of that and it's a play that is Heavily black Spanish speaking, uh, ethnic hood, whatever you want to call it. It's a whole new approach to that moment in history. And they're disincluded from awards because the hero of the play, which, if I'm not mistaken, is not played by a Caucasian, in real life owned slaves. Look this up. Is this is true? a real thing. I'm not a big fan of awards, so that doesn't really bother me that much. I loved award shows really? until they became an opportunity. I was watching TV when the very first one showed. It was Marlon Brando had an Indian yes, little feather I remember that. come up, and that was except his award. It was unbelievable. Oh my yeah. God, what happened there? You dig? Um, then. You also started to run into, I'm going to say, an endless list of names as acceptance speeches, and that's ass-kissing. Now, most people, if they have nothing clear to say, will sit up there and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't believe I'm up here. Joe, I don't believe I'm up here. I want to thank Ray and Stu and Carl and Louise and, and Bobby and Noah and, and, and uh, oh, oh, and Joshua and Tina and... <laughs> Acceptance speeches used to be an opportunity for those of us in the audience who may be behind you. Show me your footsteps. Yes. When Kurosawa, yeah. the great director, you know, you would know it from Sanjuro, Seven Samurai, etc. He had a one-sentence acceptance speech. I might as well have it tattooed on my leg and read it every day. To be an artist, 
means you can never turn away your eyes. Hmm. That's worth the whole show. You walk away from that changed, especially if your parents can explain it to you. Show Me Your Footsteps is a great way to describe the best benefit that you get out of listening to artists talk about You just won? Yeah. Tell me, how did you climb this mountain? But see, that's the what other What did pro- you use to get? Is, why would you even think of it? But they, then that, isn't that the the special part? And then instead of like letting them talk, they get like ninety seconds, and they're standing on a podium, and it's all completely unnatural, and it's all very quick. They have to have, if you can, if you're going to be an artist, you can never turn your eyes. They they have to have something succinct. It has to be something quick. Then. Like Grandma used to say, get in front of it, Joe. Get in front of it. <laughs> I mean, practice. Think of some, what you're going to say in case you win. Yes. And, yeah. and, and it's what will you share with those behind you? The problem is it's your responsibility. Now, p- there's too many people that are deeply invested in saying things that they think people want to hear rather than saying things that express their true feelings, their true thoughts, or their true emotions. I think they're, you know I think we're using opportunities frequently as an artist. It's tempting. This lack of box of chocolates is so tempting. Mm. These broad-based generalizations right. and being able to go, wow, they love my music, therefore they'll love my children, my choice of car, my third wife, and this Broadway play I wrote. No. We love your music. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they love my voice. Therefore, they'll love my acting and my clothing line. And uh, watch out. You follow. Um, so when we win something for our acting or our music, sometimes we'll fall prey to that tempting generalization. We'll go, well, then they're going to love my political mindset, my medical mindset, my social mindset, and I'm going to share that now. No, no. We we elected or voted for you because of excellence in an area. I know I'm up here for acting, but I want to talk about animal rights. Honestly, though, I don't... uh, Honestly, most of the time, where where it's infuriating to me is it doesn't resonate as being genuine. I don't really think that that's what they're thinking about. I think they want you to think that they're deep and profound, that they're thinking about these things. And that's what drives people the most crazy. That virtue signaling, the clear and obvious virtue signaling, where you know they're doing it because they think it'll be good for their career to say the things they're saying. They think that it'll be it'll uh, endear them with the people that cast films and write films and produce films or whatever the fuck else they're doing, television shows, because they want to be accepted. They want to be a part of the chosen ones. And the best way to do that is to use that time in a performative way instead of a, a, a like an honest, genuine f- method of expression or, or time of expression where they're on that stage and they speak from the heart and they have something that is like re- really deeply moving. You see, you see how genuine. your hands are moving? Yeah. This is called tactical humility. <laughs> tactical humility? I just want to thank all of you. Is it fake? If it's a, no, no, no. It's yeah. like you would use that hand and you yeah. go, it's, it's the first sign but that some, something's coming. When you see tactical humility, it's mm. an act. Uh, you know, I just like this, and then I'm going to get. But can't be of... real in some with some folks. Sorry, can it be real with some folks? When some folks are doing it, they just that's how they really feel. 
it, it depends entirely on the person and what they're expressing because someone can do almost the exact same thing and it seems like horseshit and then someone else would do it and it's so genuine and so true and, re and it resonates with you we can tell we can tell most people can tell some people can tell that's probably better to describe My some people can't tell some people just they buy the nonsense maybe people that are like full all in with the ideology you know full woke they just oh he's saying the right things she's doing the right things they're on the right page so you're kind of joining a club yes you're sort of joining with instead of it being genuine like when someone is genuine when someone is when someone's authentic it resonates but it's not common my mother's 90 years old she's in and out she's in the home uh Time before last, she mentioned that I, my socks were horrible, pronounced, you're not mine, and told me, go. Get out of the room. Your socks were horrible? Yeah. What did you That's your sense of humor. No, what kind of socks you They didn't match my belt or some shit. You know, and she like, got upset? She pretended to be upset. Oh. <laughs> your socks are horrible. You're not mine. And she, then she drifts like that. That's her sense of humor. Right. Mom taught me, geez, I was probably a teenager first time I heard it, that only mediocre talents are complementary of each other. The real talents are competing with each other. Now go do your socks. Huh. <laughs> only mediocre talents are complementary of each other. Yeah, the real deal's competing with each other. Yeah, but can't you be both? You... No. Why not? Because I'm trying to be controversial. <laughs> You're trying to be controversial. Can you join the club and, and transcend it? I grew up in summer camp going, table number nine rules. The rest of you are number one. <laughs> and mm. all the other tables were our cousins and our brothers <laughs> and looked just like us. Well, you need some competition, correct? You need fear. Right. You need fear. You, got, you better put it in your breakfast cereal, and you better put it in your vodka before you go to sleep. You dig? You need to have the fear that you're not going to get what they're getting, you know, even if it's totally imagined. Well, that's, Do you follow? That's the pro with seeing like a, 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 another act. And if you're not competing amazing, right? with somebody else, you should have the fear that you're not maximizing your talent and you're wasting your time. So, but that's what I'm saying is that's the pro. Like, say, if you went to a concert and you saw Hendrix live, it would scare you. You'd be like, Jesus Christ, we got we to gotta get on the ball. It would. But that was what Eric Clapton said, right? He saw H Hendrix play, and he was like, what am I doing? It would compel me. To get going. To get going and say to myself, well, okay, I'm not a guitar player per se. Let's think of a vocalist. Okay. Who's one of the best solo artists ever, time not specific? Tina Turner, Rod Stewart. There you go. Watch one or both. You're going to walk away going, okay, whatever talent I have, I'm not putting in enough time. 10,000 hours is for sissies. That's the white boy version. The Asian version is 10 hours a day every day for 10 years. That's closer to 30,000, 40,000 hours. Have I done my 40,000 hours? I have. Alex Van Halen has. The dentist who's building my tooth is a 50,000-hour instructor.
Do you, uh, you and him talk? Do you like? Does he send you images? Who the dentist that's building your tooth? Oh yeah. You just told him what you want. Oh yeah. I want a gold frame. Yeah, and it, it, today it requires a fifty thousand hour surgeon to duplicate a trip to a downtown fifteen dollar visit of a dentist in nineteen twenty six. Yeah, but it'll probably fit better. It's the same fellows who do the movie teeth. When oh, you see like Johnny Depp with the pirate teeth with the sapphires uh -huh. and the gold and stuff, it's showbiz city. So, of course, they're building, come on, vamp how many vampire movies are there? No teeth, no vampire, Joey. That's true. <laughs> fake teeth for a vampire movie. Hello. You have know, to have it. It's so in yeah. showbiz city. But it's curious that to, you know, move to that. Anyways, it's a, it is a, Mindset, and I'm continually thrilled, even now, especially with YouTube, you know, being able to access the past mm -hmm. at a moment. It used to be go look it up at the Encyclopedia Britannica. How many times did I get up from the dinner table and start rifling through that thin paper? Right, that and you had to make sure that that was real, that what the encyclopedia was saying was real. You couldn't cross-reference it with other online sources. If it was right? even in the encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. And now, literally as we speak here, we can rev it up. I used to have to sit in front of the television at the million-dollar movie and hope that that thing's going to come on at a certain time. I'm going to get to see this one routine quickly, and then it's gone. Right. Whether that was a dance scene or a fight scene or whatever. You follow? Um, you can dial up, for example, dial up uh, going, going down to Argentina, the Nicholas Brothers. Okay, this is a flash team from the 30s and the 40s of tap dancing, but gymnastic shit, you know, flying through each other and, you know, this kind of thing. If you knew that movie was coming on at 11 o'clock on Channel 5 on Thursday, that was the only time it was there for two years. And you better make sure you're in front of that TV to watch it once. Okay, look up the hell's a poppin' jitter jitterbug scene with the... Uh, oh, we've seen this before. Yeah, it's okay. amazing. You dig? I'll talk as the fellas go on here. They're going to break into a dance kind of a thing. You, If you even knew these guys existed, then, hey. Now, some of the stuff that they're using, you see on the floor there, they salted the floor. That's called billiards chalk. It's not meant for traction, all right? It's meant to do slides and stuff. And it's what you put on your hand to make sure the billiard cue slides through your hand. Mm. It makes it slippery. Here you go. Now watch, these guys are the most famous tap dancers in history, arguably, and there's no taps on the bottoms of their shoes. Oh, really? They're just tapping with regular shoes? Yep. Can we hear it? Okay. It's just, uh, the band is playing off to the side live, actually. It's not replaced recorded. Watch how they spin. Watch how they slide. Okay. Yeah, it's very impressive stuff. I mean, the just the athleticism involved in this okay. kind of dancing is incredible. Okay. So it's I would have to sit myself. It would come on Channel 13 with yeah. Cal Worthington at uh, 2 in the morning, and I would have to position myself, okay? Keep Go the ahead. music on, Jamie. Look up the uh, Barry Brothers cane routine. But look at this guy's movement. That's amazing. Yep. And this is the stuff that I was positioned in when I was a little kid. That is right. not something you can do with meniscus tears. There you go. Watch. They're going to really start sliding around, too. These are the Uptown fellas. Okay. 
and they go yeah, in class. They're, they're, they're always wearing tuxedos. Look at that. Look at that. That Ooh. is amazing. And when you combine this spirit with rock and roll, no, you don't do these moves in rock. No, that looks like Diamond Dave. <laughs> I mean, the dropping down to the splits okay. and everything. Look, see how the floor is all slipped yeah, up yeah, and everything? Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, my God. Okay, it is in this spirit that I've always carried out what I do for a living. I knew about these guys before I was a teenager. Can you dig Jeez, it? Look at that. And That's it's insane. all done with a smile. It's all done with finesse. And there's no taps on the <laughs> bottom of those shoes, huh? See that? See the slide? Boom. I mean, where does one even go to learn that? The way they're I jumping I can take you the... exactly where to go to learn it. I learned it from the short one on the left. Uh, his protege, yeah, Jimmy Z. Can you still do the splits? I can. Wow, that's awesome. Put up the Barry Brothers Kane routine. Now is the downtown hip hop version of what those guys were doing. And it is, these aren't moves that you do on stage. This is the savvy. This see, these guys are more ghetto. These guys are more a little bit rough around the edges. Yo, bam, bam, homie, bam, <laughs> whack, whack, whack. Look familiar? Soon. Oh, yeah, look at that shit. Savvy. Smoking. This is the Mike Tyson version of tap dancing. Yo, see how it's got knees and elbows to it? It's not so specific. Like life, dog. Bop, boom. Ah, yeah. Wow. Now, which one are you, Joe? Now, what year are is you this? the Nicholas Brothers or the Berry Brothers? I'm neither one of those. <laughs> oh, this what is, is this? What 40s? Year is this? 1940s? Yeah, 30s wow. and 40s. These are flash teams, they're called. Flash teams? Yeah. That's what they would call dancing teams like this? Yeah. It's okay. what's what's weird is that this doesn't exist anymore. Not like this. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, and it's it is very... in this spirit. You see the difference now between the Barry Brothers and the Nicholas. Nicholas Brothers were were educated. They have their elbows up, classy. They're putting that bandana. These guys, these are street corner dog. Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? It's the spirits, the drive, laugh to win, homie. Whoa! Whoa, that guy did a flying triangle. Oh, you just saw that in your that. last That's fight. Insane. Oh, down goes. Look at that. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. See, that's, that's street corner. Mm -hmm. And in that spirit is Van Halen. In this very spirit is laugh to win. In this very spirit is lead with your face. And I've been places with mine you wouldn't go with a loaded pistol. Mm -mm, nothing just, but yeah. It is amazing that that you see how that was non-specific doesn't exist. Same anymore. kind of a thing, and you, you wonder where does the drive come from? The spirit is. I want to learn that. I yeah. still do. You still do. Yeah. How are your knees? Great. Really? Oh yeah. From They're years and years up? of stretch and stretch, stretch is and stretch. I can still do all of my stuff, just not as much of it. Oh. Uh. You bet. Oh uh, now. I am not a healthy guy, okay? The you're best not? part of yoga is when you're done. <laughs> you're not healthy? The best part of Pilates is when it's over. <laughs> the best part of the weight stack is finishing. <laughs> right. What do you mean by you're not a healthy guy, though? Um, by nature, no. By nature, By nature. Uh, I was not raised to healthy food. I was not raised to healthy practices. But I would imagine you eat healthy food now. Yes. So you're healthy. I, I, I eat a croco diet, what a crocodile would have, you know. Yeah? Catch a bird, some foliage. <laughs> What'd you have today, Ray? <laughs> I caught a chicken. <laughs> that sounds like a crocodile, right? 
Um, I would imagine a crocodile would have a similar sounding voice. Yes. Um, but I was raised when McDonald's was special. Going to McDonald's was a, a special night. That wasn't convenience food. It was like a rare treat. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. And what uh, do you like? What do you eat now? Do you just meat and vegetables? Uh, no. I try to stay away from the meat. First things, uh, probably about four days out of the week. Okay, and it's oatmeal, rice, beans, you know, the usual veg. Um, but I can't go too long without eating meat. That about every four days. Why do you try to stay away? Do you try to stay away from it. Or I gotta you... keep my weight down. Yeah, I do everything a little better. It seems slim. And, well, I have that gene that Labrador Retrievers had, where I'm always hungry, and I'll eat until I'm sick. Mm. That's why Labradors train so well. They've got that C4 gene or whatever it is where they're always hungry. So if you've got a treat, he's going to learn real quick. If I do this, I get another treat. You're working his appetite. I have the same thing. A lot of people do. Where I learned from my parents, try everything, and most of it's going to be pretty good with an open mind. So there's really no kind of food that I have ever had that I haven't enjoyed. And but is it meat that makes you put on weight? Primarily it's meat that puts yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the fat from the meats and dairy that really sock it to me. Carbs, the beans, the rest of it, no, the weight just comes right off. But the meat really socks it to me. That's interesting. And uh the fat content is the big deal. I always say that uh, you can't outrun the French fry, okay? You may stay real skinny, but you're still running all that fat through your heart heart valves, okay? Mm. The same thing with red meats of whatever kind. And if we sit down, I'll always be the last one at dinner. I'll always eat the slowest, and I'll eat more than anybody twice my weight. It's just the way I'm wired. So I've really had to, like, buckle into that. And uh, be real careful, because what I do, I do better if I'm staying if light, stay tight, and ready yeah. for flight. And do you, I, I'm still the same size as I was in college. What it's, do you do for exercise? Just riding your bike or other stuff? Uh, depends on what we're doing and where. Do you still do martial arts? Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day. Some element of it. Okay? Yeah. Like what kind of Forms stuff? have come in real, real handy. Yeah. All right. And especially forms with the different uh, uh, swords. Okay. Uh, kendo is one division of this. Aido, you can draw that. Aido, A I D O. It's a drawing way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is easily half the battle here. And that uh, we do with wooden swords. Do it without a sword. Do it with a live blade as well. And. Um, oh, you know what? On my uh, Instagram, I believe there is a picture in uh, my stories, Instagram stories, David Lee Roth. There's a, a picture of me with a sword on the stories. You can dial that up. It's forms done with a live blade in this case. And, uh, you know, somebody my age, I'm not taking impact. You're not going to hit me ever again. I'm not throwing punches. I just had an operation on one of my thumbs. You know, that finally gave up on me. On my big toe, just had an operation on my big toe. And this is from all, big toe. This is all from contact. What's wrong with your big toe? Kicking the heavy bag for how many years? 
Yeah. Yeah, that started it. And then, and then. The toe joint? Then, uh-huh. The corrosion of the joint or something? Yeah. What'd they have done? We call it wearing out the brake pads. Yeah, what'd they do? <laughs> what do they do for that? Uh, clean it out, scrape. Scrape and clean. If it's real bad, then uh, you can put in an artificial joint in, in your, your toe. toe. Oh yeah, Oof. you well, you know how important the big toe is. It's big, but you you know after how many years of hitting heavy bag and or light pad work, etc., it's impact, and it may well be impact that you're not designed for, like walking and running, and even walking and running competitively. I mean, God build us to go, okay, now he's ready to run 100 miles. Right. <laughs> no, I think not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he built us, you know, there you go. Oh, that's my teacher. Is it? Yep. And this is, uh, this is Ida? Uh, that, that's, uh, no, no, he's. Uh, what is he know, doing with that good. stick? What what form is this, form of martial art? Um, He's. Let me see what he's actually doing. This is Ido? Okay, this is all the same kind of stuff that you're going to do with your sword. And this is, uh, you know. There, see, he's doing all the same stuff that he's doing with his sword. And the idea behind all these uh, flowery movements is what? Just to get more Cross competent? Training. There you are. Cross training. Isometrics, plyometrics. Look at you. You follow? Yeah. Anyways, is- it's everything that you would do recuperating, for example. Mm-hmm. Lunges are all included in that. Everything that you might do... Uh, in your yoga class and in all of that that takes place in the gym is in forms. But forms are something that you're going to get a little better at, all right? If you spend all of your time simply making impact, then you've developed one branch of the martial arts. Actual combat, actual fighting is part of it. Are you going to be doing that when you're 80? I plan on turning 96 like my uncle. There is um, a slow version of it is Tai Chi, and it's slow because they charge by the hour. The The faster it moves, sure. Um, But think of it as cross-training. Is it actual fighting? No. No, I'm more aware. But it is uh, like with uh, if you have shoulder or, you know, that kind of a thing, it may be because of a repetitive motion. And forms are way more fun to do, way more entertaining and engaging than just let's do 20 more lunges. Let's do 50 burpees. All of your burpees are included in the forms, but a form is something that you can get better and better at. And you can do it in a very small space without a class, without a teacher, without a bag, without gloves, without anything. So do you do any striking anymore? Do you hit bags or anything like that no, anymore? I You're don't. Done. No. Yeah. The closest I get to that is with, uh, you know, bow training, a sword, wooden Mm -hmm. sword, okay? But uh, I'm a result of impact. You know, my thumbs, my feet, my back, et cetera. I started in 1966 hitting the heavy bag Mm. and kicking the heavy bag and getting, you know, hitting and making contact. And I loved it, and I miss it dearly, frankly. 
I'd love to get back out on the mats. Kills me that, uh, you know, I'm, I've reached that point now where I can't do it anymore. Mm. Yeah, I'm scared to reach that point. I, that's one of the reasons why I train so hard, to make sure my body is resi- resilient enough uh-huh. so that I can keep training. Yeah. And and maybe... A lot of maintenance stuff, you know? It's really maintenance. Yeah. And you start... It's like taking care of a boat. Mm-hmm. Most of it isn't going anywhere. Like Most of it is with the helicopter. <laughs> this taking care of the boat before yeah. it goes anywhere, right? Two hours of maintenance versus one hour of sailing, I think. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. so why keep the weight down? It's easier on my back. Right. Why that do I go on the too. bike? It's easier on me than the weight stack. Hmm. Why, uh, you know. But you're still jamming, you're still doing music, and you. You just released a song. Well, I got a song out. Why put out a record in these days if you're going to have 14 songs, unless you have devout fans? That's great. And when you're a flavor of the week for the first two, three times, great. Your fans are devout. You become, it's like a Bible. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, I'm a Drake fan. I'm going to buy everything that Drake buys, puts out, and uh, consume it as if it were nutrition, right? At my point, geez, Paul McCartney puts out 14 songs. The human thing is to pick your favorite and your worst and skip the rest because there's nine other records available right mm. here in my shoe phone. <laughs> I don't have to go to Canterbury Records anymore, buy one record at a time, go home, sit, and listen just to that record. Your wristwatch contains all of the music ever recorded. The new one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the new Series 12 wristwatch contains it's your, your iPod. You yeah. follow my reasoning. The human condition is, I get it, forget it. That's like monkey. <laughs> How do you consume music now? Short bursts, short dose. If I'm listening to a specific artist. Do you do it digitally? Like, how do you do it? Most of what I do is uh, Series XM, okay? And that has a wild diversity to right. it. So you my, just pick a channel and just... Oh, yeah. My favorite channels are, uh, not yeah, just about this order. The Bluegrass Channel, uh, Outlaw Country, Hip Hop Nation, Rock the Bells, Groove Channel, then the two booch, 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 BPM and Aria, and then I listen to Fox and MSNBC. You listen to Fox and MSNBC just to get a balanced perspective. Oh yeah, of propaganda. Oh, you bet. From both sides of the oh, polls. I've been on Cavuto's show a couple of times, and yeah. I agree with Rachel. <laughs> I'm a concern. <laughs> well, I think that's probably healthy. Oh yeah. I think th- I, I get concerned with people that are the, on one side of the ideology 100. percent That's just. I don't think that's realistic, and I think it's more in line with um, tribal thinking than it is with like real, objective, discerned reasoning. Like so, reasoning, someone who's like really looked at the issues and thought about it from a, a balanced perspective, and really looked at the pros and cons of each individual aspect of whatever problem we're trying to address as a culture. Pop you know? used to say to me, "I don't choose my patients; mm. whoever walks through the door." And we used that in Van Halen. We played to every different kind of neighborhood. There's four kinds of Mexican. 
You have Tejano. You have Lowrider. You have Progressive UCLA. <laughs> In the 70s, and they all required a different kind of music. Yeah. Okay? The Van Halens listened to Pomp and Circumstance at their graduation. At my graduation, they played Samba Pati by Santana <laughs> on something called a loop. In 1972, hey, that shit's repeating. <laughs> Somebody better fix the record. No, no, it's supposed to do that, is he? <laughs> a loop, a loop was real back then on purpose. Oh yeah, on, on a record player. Da, 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 da. How would you do that on a loop? Oh, they just put it on a tape with reel to reel and see, uh, and played it. But the Van Halen audience is all across the board. It's combat hippie. You've got half of the audience is just camo on the dance floor, okay? It includes police, fire, paramedic, uh, military, cowboy, right-wing Republican, and it's Harleys and Ferraris. You've got the whole left-wing contingent of the arts and letters community. Uh, what's happening in terms of liberal arts, because you can tell we put a lot of work into everything we did. The genius in Van Halen is in the composition. It, we did our 10,000 hours before we made our first record. That's old school training. Mm. It's closer to martial arts. We never took around a demo tape. We made the assertion that if we're as good as we think we are, we'll get discovered. And if we don't get discovered, it's because we suck. But were there demo tapes back then? People have demo tapes? Oh, sure. Yeah? Oh, you bet. Uh, and that was a big thing? Oh, yeah. Everybody, but you made them on a reel to reel on a TAC. When did you guys realize it was happening? Like, when did you really realize, like, holy shit, it's taken off? Right away. Right away. Oh, yeah. We, there was no development period for us. The only thing that remains exactly the same from the beginning of its life, from the beginning to the very end, is a sea urchin. It looks exactly the same. And maybe Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> you know what? I was listening but, to Bruce Springsteen the other day. But in terms of our I was music. listening to I'm on Fire. Imagine <laughs> playing that song today. Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? Mm-hmm. I got a bad desire. I know, and she's Imagine. sixteen. She's sweet sixteen. But just and a, she's but that mine. song. But that song in particular, that is a crazy song. That's a, like just I, I heard a cover of it by some country music star was singing a cover of that, like a recent cover. I'm like, hey man, you might probably might not want to sing that fucking song anymore. Sense of humor's changed. Well, that's Senses not a sense of humor. humor that's not about humor. It's a weird song. I'll hey little look. girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? Mm-hmm. I got a bad desire. Okay, is that a teenage kid singing to a teenage kid? Because Bruce will tell you I'm a liar. He says it right in the first pages of his autobiography. I don't know what it is. He goes on, I was never in a, I was never a cowboy. I never worked in the steam yeah. yards. <laughs> oh, of course. So, so if, that's, of course. if that's a teenager singing to a teenager... Well, that's the way you think as a teenager. A teenager perhaps. doesn't call other teenagers okay. little girl. I'm being Alan Dershowitz I know on what behalf you're doing. of Mr. <laughs> Springsteen <laughs> here. I wonder what he it was is. simply emulating Listen, the thinking of a mutually him. aged individual. You but you're looking at him as a 70 year old looking at your daughter, no, and I'm I would concur. What I'm, the fuck? Yeah, I'm looking at it as like a creepy 40 year old. And, I'm sorry? Uh, I'm looking at it like a creepy 40-year-old exactly. talking to an 11-year-old or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's so just, maybe you know, he's... I'm looking at the worst 
possible charitable example. You got to get back example. to where your streets are king and full of uh, heroes no, on a last chance power no, slide. Listen, I'd love that too, but I'm just. I just I'm always curious as to why someone writes what they write and like where it's coming from and what what you know what what they're trying to channel. Hold I mean, on. he's got some amazing. He becomes songs. the character. Yeah, I don't do that. He becomes the character. He becomes the soldier who sings yeah. "Born in the right, USA." Right, right. Yeah. He becomes the kid on his sitting next to his dad in my brand new used car. I think he might have been the guy singing "Brilliant Disguise" though. Because that was right been. after he got out of a bad divorce. Okay. I think that might have been him. Okay. But I it's a character. For example, yes. in contrast, my songs, lyrically, I wrote all of the lyrics in anything that you sing. Uh, to be perfectly honest, it was all run through Alex's Van, Van Halen's brain seven times before it was approved. So you have a mutuality here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I saw it coming from professional uh orchestral training all right my uh, two of my mentors on reeds i played saxophone were peter and pearl Zukovsky, first and second chair clarinet in the la philharmonic these are my cousins okay um and i learned a great deal from them in terms of formative music all right um emotional content can be utilized lyrically or melodically if you even know it exists. So, for example, we can sing about jumping. I ran down the street and I jumped and my tennis shoes hit the street first and I'm wearing Converse. Okay. Okay. Or we can create somehow, lyrically, the feeling of jumping. Mm. So when we jump, unless it's in slow motion, jump. No, 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 that's drinking that purple scissorp or whatever. Scissorp? <laughs> if you're drinking scissorp, that may be what it feels like to jump. But in fact, no, in your world of MMA, you jump. And that's how we sing it. Now, when we dance, we want to dance all night. So we dance. Oh, and you don't have to speak English to understand the subtext of how this works. What is it like to make a song like that and know that it affected millions of people? Millions of people would hear Dance the Night Away. And just... Well, children, what did we do today that's going to benefit the rest of us? We're going to jump, Dad. We're going to dance. And uh, what else are we going to do? These are all verbs, by the way. That's not that's not a coincidence either. Now, in retrospect, I can look back, but you know, we don't jog; we run. And who are we running with? The devil. The devil. <laughs> Do you follow? So, what is the sound of jogging? Have you ever done road work to accommodate sure. fighting and so forth? It sounds like this. That's endless, so many miles. I remember years and years I ran and ran and ran. Um, but we need a mean part to that. And it started off mean. Uh, 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 uh. And I asked, what does it sound like to run? What does it feel like to run? What will you remember if you've run the marathon? You know what you're going to remember? Running with the devil. <laughs> I swear to God. Pat, 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 pat. If you're going to Panama, who even fucking knows where that is? But it sounds a lot like, orale. 
And I've said that 10 million times. Debbie Sierra took me to the prom, put $20 in my pocket and said, we're going to the prom at high school. Orale. And you dig. And it was right in your head. You follow? So how do you feel like Panama? What's tropical? What's exotic? What's a little bit dangerous? I understand what you're trying to convey in your songs, but I'm saying what does it feel like to know that your songs have impacted millions and millions of people? Like, is it a satisfying feeling? Do you feel like you, a, a life well lived? Like, what does it feel like? I feel like we've made a contribution. Mm. I think we added. I feel like, ah, yeah, we, contribution is my word. If you have to choose a word, pick a word. What is your word? If we have to put one on your gravestone, Me? what's your word? I don't know. Pick one. I have to think about that You're for a while. You're on the spot now. Mine's contribution. Yeah, I don't think I would uh, pick a spot. I'd have to think. Contribution. What what's you... yours? I don't know. What is your law? Do you have one? Um, on Thermopylae, where the Spartans gave it up. And remember, they lost that last fight. Yeah. Well, All let's right. not rub that in. There's one of the most famous... <laughs> one of the most famous poems in history it's only two sentences long and it's a little sarcastic it was carved into the wall right after the battle it says tell the spartans stranger passing by here obedient to their laws we lie it means that's the law we're forever and when you have a law or a word doesn't matter if you win or lose this is what I mean by the Jamaican bobsled team. They came in dead last, flipped the sled, and almost killed themselves. And it's the most valuable T-shirt of the entire Olympics. Why? Yeah, it's a Same novelty. spirit. It's not novelty. Sure because novelty. they came back three times and won the nationals again. Well, it's, it's, it was novelty because, holy shit, Jamaica has a bobsled team. Everybody was fascinated because everybody knows there's no ice in Jamaica. Yes, but they took it dead serious. <laughs> I interviewed the of coach. They did. They're in the Olympics. I interviewed Devin, the coach. He was British SAS. Their strength and training coach was British SAS. He was a no fuck around guy. Serious. I was in radio for four and a half months when Stern went. I remember. <laughs> I remember. What have you been fired from? What was, how how fucked was that? What have you ever been fired from? Walmart? <laughs> was that uh, devastating, getting fired from that gig? Are you kidding? What have you been fired from, McDonald's? <laughs> I, got fired from, I got fired from playing too much ethnic music. I got fired for having too much of a view like we're doing right now. Mm. Okay? Cause, well, the problem was you were taking over a time <laughs> slot that had been clearly established by arguably the greatest radio broadcaster in the history of the world. I agree with that, and I still agree with it. I listen to Howard regularly. But when really you do. take over that time slot, you're, you can't win. No, no. They, no one You can't wins. win if they expect you to be the same exactly. thing. Exactly. You should have taken over it after I, somebody else got fired. My shit, my cues, my ratings were going up. Yeah. Right? The arbitrage, everything, everything was zooming, man. We were booming. And what they wanted was a repeat of what Howard was doing, and I just refused to do that. But wait a minute. If your ratings were going up, I thought that's all they care about. Nope. They, uh, I was untenable. So My was, God. So I, it was a I, successful I was playing show. black music in the background. 
I was I was bringing in what, guests that uh, had nothing to do, do with rock and roll. What were you supposed to do? Like when they hired you, what did they say to you? They want well. What they said was be yourself, but I think what they expected was a duplication of a hero. And I'm not a duplication. I even when right, I try but, to duplicate. But did you have these conversations like, with them where you said, "Listen, I'm just going to be free. I want to play my own music. I want to do like." Yes, what did they expect? Yes, did they expect you were going to do all talking? Yes. Did they and think they that you were going to go? That I was going to duplicate what would have come before because that it seems to be a tradition. Okay. But you had done Stern a few times. You knew you knew what it was like. Nevertheless, when you put me in charge, we're going to. It's a lot closer to what we're doing here. Right. And the kind of, you know, the term wabasabi, it means yeah. that which is a little roughed up at the edges. Well, you've done a lot of stuff like this, right? You've done your own version. You, you were doing your own version of a podcast for a while. Nevertheless, before that show? No, this was 15 right. years no, ago. I mean, but I mean recently. So you have been able to kind of do your own thing, like yes. what you actually enjoy doing. Yes. But then there was executives involved, there was a bunch of other people that were oh, like yeah. poking and prodding, and despite the fact that the ratings were going up, they were still not happy with what you were doing? We were changing audience, all right? That's, I have no problem. Like I would play uh, Bob Marley, and they would say, you can't play this, this you have a rock and roll audience, and I'd go, this is what rock and rollers listen so, to on vacation. Everybody, and they'd go, no, no, oh, no, 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 serious quote. And they would say, no, no, we want you to play Nickelback. We want what? you to, yes, yes. These were the two. We want you to play, um, it was Nickelback and uh, Skinner. And I said, I have news for you. When Leonard Skinner goes to the Bahamas on vacation, they listen to Bob. <laughs> so was Bob the show Marley music? Is the sound of vacation. <laughs> was the show music? To rock and rollers. Oh, I was playing background music throughout my talking. Like right now, I would be having music congruent in the backgrounds to what we would right. be but discussing. What I'm trying to get at is how did this show get established? Did you did you have test shows that you did where they said, I like I, what you're doing? I would did routinely... they just let you wing it live? Did you, they, they hit the switch? at 6 a.m. Monday morning and say, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Lee Roth and let you just go wild? Yeah, and I'd have an yeah? intro from a Wilson Pickett tune, or I'd have a, I'd, I'd loop the uh, musical intro from uh, Cool in the Gang, or I'd loop the musical intro from some Arabian night something or other, and no, uh, no, 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 this is classic rock. We want to stay in the classic rock mode. We want to stay classic rock type guest in the approach. So that was because Stern on terrestrial radio before he went over to XM Sirius was a, on a classic rock station. Yes. So they wanted you to do the same thing in the morning. Yeah, but did what if you had just talked? Would they would they have been okay with that, or did they want you to play music? Was that established before you started doing it? Even just talking, I'm 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 not. Um, they didn't even like hold that. Hold on, there are as many people. You either love Roth or you hate him. I'm speaking the third person. Right. All right. You're either entertained, or you really have no taste for me. You follow? It's like but isn't, sushi. But isn't what's important, though, <laughs> in that business the ratings? That's what's so confusing to me. I don't understand if the ratings were going up. If, but why didn't a, they... I was not controllable. 
Okay. Uh, my subject matter was not controlled. Like, what was the problem with the subject matter? What, exactly what we're talking about here. And I was not afraid to upset people. Right? How did you upset people? My... Like, what kind of subject matter was upsetting? Well, for example, uh, 9-11, okay, the buildings down there, Trade Center, World Trade. Uh what, what the EPA director, Christy, I think Whitman, perhaps, I might be wrong with the name, I'm in error, uh, at the time was declaring, this is 15 summers ago, that it was okay to breathe down there. And I maintained under no circumstances was it okay to breathe down there, having been involved in some version of healthcare training and so forth. First time I got walked into the hospital, I was eight years old. I remember my father saying, Sybil, it's time he sees what his father really does for a living. And he showed me everything in that hospital. It was a Massachusetts general when he was a resident, okay? Um, and I went on record, and they got calls from the mayor's office, shut up. Because I was saying, it is not under no circumstances. Is it safe to breathe down at that site? Everything was incinerated. It's airborne. Our healthcare workers are in danger. If you're not masked up and gloved up and eyed up, etc., we are endangering our responder. Oh, they didn't want to hear that shit. And the EPA director, whatever was online saying, no, no, it's breathable, it's safe, and everything. Well, today, I was right. You were dead right. Bad choice of word, but maybe it's right. And I was threatened with getting fired, and the mayor's office called, and you can't, you're going to cause a big problem and big trouble, etc., like that, and I refused to back down. A lot Fuck of the people that lived in that area. Fuck y'all. That stayed in that area okay. after... Exactly. They got very, I very called sick. called it right away. And, uh, so this was something that you were calling on the air? Yes. And, and they, what did they say to you? Shut up. Knock it off. They really You're said that to you? are causing big time problems. They said knock it off. Don't oh, yeah. tell the truth about the- It wasn't considered truth. This is just your opinion. You're here for entertainment. You're here to play some music. You're here to talk. Keep them light and lively, local news, etc. Sounds like they owe you an apology. Well, I, t I took your approach, which is, it, it was what I was doing then, and you can tell I'm still irate, is much closer to what you're doing here. And I would bring people on who were extreme right-wing and extreme left-wing <laughs> mm. and extreme everything. Yeah. And you guys decide. I would have, uh, Jesus, I had, uh, well, on the lighter side of things, I would have, uh, Jesus, we had an actual pimp call. Really? Yeah. We had actual prostitutes. I would feel like you want to have the pimp in studio. Call you want in. to see what he's dressed like. No, he's not coming anywhere near us. But, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, I wouldn't hesitate to engage with law enforcement. I put out the, the call, having mm. been EMT, and say, David, David Hasselhoff got busted. I know that you're within my listening voice down in Palm Beach, Florida. If you're law enforcement, give us a call. Tell us what happened. Cop called in. Really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was in the here's what happened. <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, right, you, know, you follow even having that connection. Right. Was, well, no, this is drum circle. 
Trump. rock and roll, man. This is like, you know. Trump circle? You, you follow. Peace and mm-hmm. you know, I, I make the joke, which is it. It's peace, love, and heavy weapons. What do you think's protecting the drum circle? Yeah. And then, of course, my friends or, or teachers and what in law enforcement make total fun of our showbiz community. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's frivolous. Oh, you bunch of sissies. Yeah, very frivolous. That ain't working. So as uh, that's why they call it play. Time went on, <laughs> tensions built, right? On that radio show, built instantly. Instantly. Yeah, and in reading commercials, of course, I would have fun with that. But what else? What else was a source of major contention? Um, we would talk about oh. I would go along. Okay, kids, when they go to school, there's a big problem with bling. The kids who can afford bling are getting nice tennis shoes and swatch watches and interesting clothes, and the kids who have no money are dressed like I am right now. And there's a problem with that. If they're both in the same classroom, there there occurs a division. I said, why don't we take the martial arts approach and up until, I don't know, maybe eight years old, everybody wear a gi. So nobody has bling. And everybody shave your head so you're not wearing an $80 haircut. Yeah, I know about that, too. <laughs> there are kids out there with $120 haircuts in Beverly Hills. I can tell the difference. I'm in showbiz. So if you tell the kids this is the way of it, Everybody kind of looks the same. And you're saying you, this on the radio? Is yes. that what you're doing? Oh, yeah. So you're telling people to shave their heads and wear a gi? Yeah. How about just do whatever the fuck you want to do? Well, because then there's competition, because doing whatever you want to that... do is informed by your parents. Yeah. And your parents may be putting bling on you. You mm-hmm. may be wearing diamonds to grade school. Mm-hmm. You may be wearing a $120 haircut and some brand new New Balance, where my kid can barely afford some slaps. My kid might be wearing camo because that's all I can wear because I can't afford to wash a fucking thing so it doesn't show the dirt like I wore <laughs> when I was a kid. And the bling kid is liable to think they're somehow superior So to my is this kid. an actual conversation or are you just being poetic now? Did you have this actual oh, conversation on the I air? I talked just like this, but I was way rougher. I respect you, Joe. And this this show, when you were doing it, then after the show was over, they they would pull you aside? Like how oh, would it yeah. work? You're pissing parents off. We're getting calls. This, you know, you can't so say what do they that ask about you people's children. The, they, they, they can't deal with these kinds of subjects. The show was obviously live, so they couldn't control you while you were actually oh, on the air. It was great. It was yeah. wonderful. Then I suggested, you know, there was combat issues. So I would go deep. I would, uh, well, for example, what do you think about my kid's idea? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think anybody should be able to tell people they have to shave their head or wear a gi. No, or, no, no. It's I not think telling I un- understand what you're saying. I it's understand, sort of like I understand what you're to... saying, but I think there's benefit and disparity in that. It makes kids want to work harder to achieve things. It makes other kids appreciate that they're fortunate they have things that other kids don't. There's like There's a balance. I think what's more important than anything is compassion. And there's always going to be people that have more, and there's always going to be people that have less. 
The real problem is when that becomes everything, when that becomes your defining characteristic, when that becomes your personality, I agree. when that becomes th the thing that everyone's aspiring to. I agree. I, I guess what this harkens back to is the specific episode of The Little Rascals. <laughs> When the rich kid next door has a very expensive soapbox racer made of metal that's painted red. Mm. And Darla mistakenly falls in love with him because of his possessions. And Spanky, Buck, and Alfalfa have to build their shitty little soapbox ra racer out of spare parts. I kind of vaguely remember that episode. <laughs> Now that you're saying that, I've, <laughs> so but I mean, do, but wasn't that? We, but so there's, there's competition. The though. There's competition. But they they won. Well, that was by accident because if you remember, Buckwheat tries to hit the the stick to do the brakes and it breaks off, and and Spanky says to him, "Hit the brakes," and he goes, "Brakes is gone. We free wheeling," and they just happen to win. Yeah, but they won. <laughs> But it's the whole idea is the overcoming adversity, the ingenuity, the yes, whole the whole creativity. idea is fuck yeah. you and your little friend, your little fire engine. Yeah, fuck you and your Darla, little store bought fire engine. Get your mind right. Yeah, get it together, Darla. It's all about spirit, drive, yeah. personality, uh, whimsicalness, and sense of humor here. Yes. Okay. So, do I really think all you all little kids should shave their heads? No. Do I think all little kids should be in geese? I had a ball in karate class and then in judo class wow. and then in taekwondo class. And everybody was even. Everybody was the same. And in the times when my pop was just getting started in medicine and we didn't have money in the house, I was equal to the kids from La Cañada when I was in my gi. And now that I am a millionaire several times over, when I was in kendo class... Then the kid who has nothing, I'm no better than him. My gi looks way older. It's a distinction. It's got a lot of miles on it, and you got a ways to go, kid. That's the subtext. There's no belt there. We're wearing the same thing. Yeah, well, I think there's definitely a benefit in kids learning martial arts for sure. And learning martial arts in the same uniform, there's a real benefit in that too because you realize it's not about the uniform, it's not about what you look like, it's about getting things done. Then as you learn and grow and and become more accomplished, then you re receive these belts. And so then you have goal attainment. And goal attainment is an amazing thing for kids, an amazing thing for adults. There's a real benefit in knowing that you put in the hard work and now there's something that signifies it. Oh my God, I have a blue belt. And they tie that blue belt around your waist and you're not a white belt anymore and you feel proud. You put that thing on and you feel like I have done work and that it, it elevates your perspective in terms of the way you look at yourself and you look at your abilities. It gives you more confidence and it also gives you this goal. One day I want to be a black belt and you just think about it like one day I'm going to attain a rank of proficiency where I'm going to be someone who's actually to whatever level mastered a very specific style of martial art that's incredibly difficult to learn. And that's you good for everybody. You apply that now to the arts that we do for a living. McCartney can't get through an interview without telling you about his six years in the red light district in Germany. He wears it like a general's badge. Can you dig it? Mm -hmm. He's proud of it. Alex Van Elen and I, same thing. We put in five years compared to year three. The average is two and a half, maybe. 
follow up. Just constantly jamming, doing multiple shows constantly. Isn't that that's there's it's detailed in the book The Outliers, right? Is it The Outliers? I think it is. There's a, there's a book Outliers. Yeah, that they talk about how when the Beatles emerged, people don't realize they had so many hours of playing, and it's one of the reasons why they're so good. So they were they were playing so often, constantly. It is really hardcore training, and that's when you build who you are. That's where you develop your ingredients. Yeah. When I was coming up in music, that was the regular because there were bands at every club. Every bar had to have a live band to afford the speakers and the turntable and the music. You had to have a live band. And you would tear off the left-hand side of the billboard chart and learn it. Alex and I went through a list just recently that we found of 120 songs that we could play at the drop of a hat by everybody you could imagine, from Smoke on the Water to Get Down Tonight. That's where we learned to sing. Get down tonight, get down tonight. We didn't have a keyboard, so you better sing. You better sing a cover off that fucking ball. That's why Mike Anthony was so unique. His bass playing, yeah, we could find bass players, but nobody sounds like that. That's Garfunkel. Simon's good, but Simon and Garfunkel. Where do you think you built that? Thousands and thousands of vocal training hours so that when Mike and I sing... You recognize it like Hendrix's guitar. You may never have heard the song before, and you go, that's Hendrix. Signature sound, like Rod Stewart's voice. You may never have heard the song before, you go, that's Rod. Yeah, it is. And in our backgrounds, like Motown, that only comes from thousands of hours. Where do you learn to have the temetry to stick with that? I learned it at the dojo. I learned it in my first singing lessons. You dig it? My first singing coach, Jesus, that was also my first real experience with tattoos. We started off talking about tattoos. My first singing coach had two tattoos. He had a number right here, and he had another number right there. And he would say at least once a year, this is my camp number. And this is the number why I was still alive. He played piano and he sang in Auschwitz. Jesus. He was there for three years. Kurt Blumenthal, okay? And he used to tell me, Mr. Roth, sing as if your life depended on it. Can you imagine a gig where one bad review literally puts you up the chimneys? And that was another expression he would use. It's in the music. It's in my voice. It's in every Van Halen song you hear. Mr. Van Halen taught it to his sons. Jan Van Halen and I were very good friends. And he would tell his sons about when the bombing would start, and they would all move into the subway tunnels, and he would play saxophone for everybody hiding during World War II. Every time I sing, I sing as if my life depended on it. 
Does that make sense? It does. I think this is a good way to wrap this up. That's a perfect way to wrap it up. Dave, it's always a pleasure, my friend. More than ever, Joe. It is. More than ever. Thank you very much. Hey. Bye, everybody.